0: fellow Franco fans, it is I, your host, Jason Rudy, from Sacramento, California, based Desperate Visions Productions, and we are in post-production, of course, on Lady Hyde, and um, yeah, doing good stuff on that, Uh, Been getting ready to have a break from work coming up here, Uh, so I'm going to kind of knock back on, uh, get back down, and uh, further editing that along, so yeah, it's looking good, feeling good about it. Uh, it's about 83 minutes or so, and uh, yeah, nice nice cut. And I'm going to render it out and go over it and start figuring out what needs to be done. So, enough about that. Uh, so, this is big number 85. That is episode 85. Film number 24, and what a film it is that we are about to see. It is Eugenie, dot, 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 the story of her journey, into perversion you know and as we journey places it's actually not a bad place to journey perversion Uh, this of course is a Harry Allen Towers film so that means many different productions we have West Germany Spain Liechtenstein and US slash UK 1969 Uh, original theatrical title in country of origin Wilkazen Germany Wildcats well, it's interesting, Wildcats. Big difference between the Marquis de Sade and Eugenian, you know, uh, philosophy of the boudoir, and then it's just Wildcats. Oh, Wildcats. She was kicking like a wildcat. So, yeah, Wildcats. Uh, also, we have Eugenie, the story of her journey into perversion, the U.S. version. Uh, of course, UK, philosophy in the boudoir. Of course, the uh, more proper um, Marquis de Sade. Uh, and that's uh, there's no Spanish or Liechtenstein version of the film alright alternative titles which I've seen a lot of advertisement for this Uh 70 which used to always confuse me I thought it was a different film but yeah De Sade 70 Geschlagen und gelbatt, first German theatrical version 1970 unreleased uh, De Sade 70 uh, Beaten and Loved uh, and then Die Jungfrau und die Pich, 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 second German theatrical version, 72 unreleased. The Virgin and the Whip. Oh, yeah, okay. There's a. Uh, what was it? Something in the Whip with Christopher Lee. um So, yeah, it's a different one. Uh, let's see. Uh, then we have French theatrical The Unsatiated, Les Ines Voyes. And then we have uh, US DVD Marquis de Sade's Philosophy of the Boudoir and uh, De Sade's Eugenie D. Jungfrau und I die, or die Pischke, German DVD, and De Sade's 70 shooting title. Okay. A lot of titles. A lot of alternate titles and all that other stuff. Uh, production companies. Um, Happe Film, GmbH and Company. Production half out of Munich. And we have Producciones, Cinematophagos, Cinematographies. Cinema. What's <laughs> a big one? Producciones. Cinema. Cinematography. Graficas. There we go. Bascar, out of Barcelona. It's always good though for me. I, I learn a lot foreign languages by doing these podcasts. Um, Establishment Sargon, out of Vaduz. Uh, Videotel International Incorporated out of New York of course The Mighty Towers of London out of London uncredited and finally 1969 Establissement not Establishment but establishment Sargon Vadu's English Language prints. Hmm, they're almost in there twice but without that that is in there twice huh interesting alright uh, Theatrical Distributors only three on this um Augustite Produktionen, AP Film at Hamburg. Uh, Distinction Films Incorporated, New York, branch of the National General Pictures. Uh, Cincenta Films, distributors out of London and Spain, none. Yeah, it wouldn't be playing in Spain. Content. Uh, Okay, timeline. Shooting date January 1969 and West Germany certificate refused June 26 1969 only 6 months later that's great It's a fast turnaround then a year later from January 69 the shooting date to January 1970 it finally played in London and had the UK or I'm sorry the USA press screening July 29th of 1970 and then played Los Angeles uh, August 5th of 1970 then played in West Germany as Wildcats. Um, uh June 2nd, 1972. And French visa issued, August 31st, seventy-two. Played France, February 15th, seventy-three. Then finally Belgium-Brussels, March 22nd of 1973. Um, West Germany running time, 81 minutes. United States running time, 91 minutes. And France, 73 minutes. Um, I always, once again, give credit, credit's due. All information and stats and all that good stuff is from the book, Murderous Passions The Delirious Cinema of Jesus Franco, Volume 1, by Mr. Stephen Thor and with Julien Arrangier. All right. Uh, cast um, Maria Rome as Madame Mer- Marianne Saint Ange, Madame Renaults. Uh, Marie Ligenhall as Eugenie Miss. Tival, Jack Taylor as Merville, Madame Saint Ogg's stepbrother, uh, Christopher Lee as Domance, Paul Mueller as Monsieur Miss Tival, Eugene's father, Eugenie's father, uh, Maria Luisa Ponti, as Madame Miss Tival, Anne Cablan as Augustine Madame Saint Ogg's gardener, Boatman, uh, Cathy Le Grande, Cathy Lagarde, as Teresa, the deaf mute maid, uncredited; Nino Corda as Roche's cultist wearing top hat; Herbert Fuchs as Hardin, officiating priest at cult gathering; it's another later. He's in um, Jack the Ripper, I believe, and uh, Colette Gispion, Colette, and Jess Franco as a cultist. I think Herbert Fuchs, too isn't he? I think he's the devil in, uh in uh, de- the demons too. He's like the devil outfit. I think that's him, but. My memory's hazy on that. All right, credits. Uh, directed by Jess Franco, written by Harry Allen Towers, of course, as Peter Welbeck. Uh, director of Photography, Manuel Marino. Bruno Nicolai did the music. Producer, Harry Allen Towers, as Peter Welbeck. Uncredited, uh, credited based on the novel Philosophy in the Boudoir by Donatain Alfonso Dessade. Or Donatain Alfonso Sade. Um, Art director and costume, blah, 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 okay, camera okay, all right. So, uh, here we go. Uh, production notes. Uh, in January 1969, Franco began his second adaptation from the works of the Marquis de Sade, shot in three to four weeks in Barcelona and the merchant port of Cartagena. Due to the erotic and sadistic situations depicted, as well as unfortunate difficulties with Towers' distribution dis- dealings at the time, the release proved problem- problematic in many territories. In West Germany, the film was lined up for release three times, first as sod 70, Gelskensklaeg & Gelbari, geli in 1970, and second as Die Jungfrau und die Pestik in 1972. Only on the third attempt, as Avild Katzen from AP Films did reach cinemas three years after it was made. The intended distributors for the two withdrawn West German releases were Alpha for Desaad 70 and Series Film for Die Jungfrau. Uh, Stills and posters were made bearing these three earlier titles and company names, but only the Avild Katzen materials tallied with the proper theatrical release. That's interesting. Cool. Yeah, I've seen those ad mats and and stuff for those and, uh, didn't know that those were unmade, or not unmade, but unreleased, um, or unusable. All right, review. I'm going to go over some of it without going over all the plot stuff. Um, okay, re- review. Eugenie, the story of her journey to perversion, is a Franco film that many a doubter could appreciate. Um, excuse me, take my glasses off here. See a little closer up. Um Providing they accept its sensuous, languorous pace, and as long as they did cruelty. Freely adapted from the Marquis de Sade's philosophy in the bedroom, the story is audacious, the script often witty, the production values impressive, and for the most part, the actors know how to communicate both screen sexiness and a hint of the delicious malice of Sade's writing, uh, even if the story itself bears only a skeletal relation to the avowed source. In overall feel, it's akin to such classic drive-the-lady-crazy films as The Sweet Body of Deborah* and uh, Lindsay's Paranoia, in part thanks to a great soundtrack by Bruno Nicolai, but as the story unfolds, it begins to resound with the authentic wit of the Marquis. Uh, the The impetus for the film was the commercial success of Marquis de Sade's Justine, although for Franco himself, there was a nagging sense that with Justine he had neutered the material. Hoping to do more justice to the author this time, Franco added. Uh, see added by a decent script from Peter Walbeck, Towers, Harry Allen Towers um, updated the story from the late 18th century to the modern day, leading, lending a degree of erotic clarity and shock value, devoid of the leavening influence of costume drama. Justine was a little more than a body romantic adventure with a few filaments of nastiness running through. Eugenie however, brings Desaad's cruelty into the present day with as much explicitness as the time would allow. And in the creation of Delmont's group of Sidian scholars turned practitioners who dress in period garb as a kind of hellfire club salute to the Marquis, Franco reconfigured costume drama as a fantasy world within the real world, cannily sidestepping the pitfalls that await those who try to evoke the historical past on a shoestring. Good, good point. Good, good teaching there. For filmmakers, a certain amount of erotic investment is needed if this tale of an innocent seduced is going to appeal. Desaud's stories require that we put ourselves into the mindset of the libertine. Mere sympathy for the plight of Eugenie would hardly lead to a satisfying viewing experience. The film's aura of silky smooth decadence and debauchery requires that we savor the victim's dilemma, not thrill to her possible escape. As in many Sidian scenarios, one feels for the victim a touch of pity which is then frozen in mid-step, alchemy, alchemically transmuted into a gloating enjoyment of their piousness. Poor Eugenie, one thinks with a smirk of enjoyment and a cocked eyebrow. If these expressions find no echo in the viewer, then all that's left is the horror, monoscopic shrinking of the Sidian viewpoint. Now, wait just a minute. What's all this about poor Eugenie, and? innocence exploited surely in sod's philosophy in the bedroom eugenie is a willing participant in vice yes once again towers and franco have seriously tampered with the source material among the elements accurately transcribed are the principal players and their names dolmont's madame saint ange eugenie Miss mistyvel even the gardener augustine all are drawn from the original text. Their roles and eventual fates, however, are very different. Madame Saint-Ange and Merville ought to be brother and sister. The film fudges by making them step-siblings. Eugenie's father becomes a weak, ineffectual character manipulated by erotic blackmail into giving up Eugenie instead of deciding for himself that she should be freed from the shackles of conventional morality. Dolomance, in the book, is a constant and levitious lascivious participant in the most extraordinary sexual activities here is simply a formal master of ceremonies but the greatest divergence is the depiction of eugenie in zod eugenie is an avid pupil from the start who takes to the erotic and immoral teachings of Dolmonts with alacrity Although she often raises token demural, not once does she persist in arguing against the philosophy of the Libertine. Instead, her initial queries are the flimsiest of of pretexts for Saad to vent his ideas through Dolmonts. Each tremulous objection is set upon savagely, and Eugenie immediately and happily accepts the conclusions. Freiko and Towers, to the contrary, paint her as a victim, an innocent, tricked and manipulated into murder and vice. She is momentarily corrupted and begins to enjoy her infamy, but then retreats from it again. Essentially, what we have here is 10% Eugenie and 90% Justine, with the girl allowed a few moments to enjoy vengeance and murder before being flung back into righteousness and remorse. Franco and Towers did not embrace Saad's vision of a young girl consumed by the joys of libertinage. The film tells a completely different story indeed. Okay. Uh The changes wrought upon the original require Christopher Lee to misquote Sods in the opening speech. The quotation begins faithfully, um, and it says it's Um Talk about the change, because of course, Eugenie, the film, was no longer an inspiration for the young voluptuaries. Uh, the removal of Eugenie's mother, and the merging of her fate with that of Madame St. Ange. Uh, and Saud everything leads to the shocking scene in which Eugenie, having embraced Olmont's philosophy, enthusiastically participates in the rape and torture of her own mother. This, it would seem, is the story for which the screen was not ready. If the incestuous relationship between Madame Saint-Ange and Mirville could not be maintained honestly, how much less likely was the rape and torture of a mother by her daughter. This act, which saw saw as the crowning glory of his tale, is nowhere to be found in Eugenie. Uh, instead, Franco and Towers nominate Madame Saint-Ange for Madame de Mistival's fate. She becomes the dupe in a plot hatched by Dolomont and Merville, with Eugenie as the neophyte encouraged to join in. So, why remove the lead character? So, remold the lead character so completely. Firstly, Towers and Franco needed to sidestep Eugenie's rapturous embrace of vice because it would be it would short circuit the script. Uh, then there was the problem of Eugenie raping her own mother, having decided that such an act could not be shown. Tower's script essentially starts again with the character, and in reconceiving Eugenie it appears that he set out to create a more plausible and contemporary Justine. With the film set in the present day, both Towers and Franco must have felt that a heroine who suffered all manners of assaults upon her person without fighting back, who maintained a prudish piety throughout, was unlikely to play for a young audience in 1969. Religious notions of forbearance and heavily reward for virtue keep Sod's 18th century Justine plodding along with the yoke of suffering round her neck. She is pinned to the cross of her own folly with Christian nails. To keep a modern girl like Eugenie in torment, Reasons Towers, subterfuge is required. And so she undergoes repeated tortures that are passed off as dreams, in which turns out to be shrouds arranged by the Dolmonts. Uh, the scenario is further enhanced by drugs, leading to the heroine's confusion about what is real and imagined. This, rather than the Christian meekness and nativity, explains why she consistently falls into the same traps without running for help. Eugenie concludes with the Demi Justine, persuaded to avenge herself upon the unsuspecting Madame Saint in which part she becomes for a while something more like Sod's heroine. But in order for the film to end with moral closure, she must revert to type. Dolomance leaves her morally tainted, Exhausted and knowing that thanks to him, her mother will soon be calling the police. By bringing back the idea of Eugenie's mother, seen fleeting at the beginning of the film, one can't help feel that Towers was balking at the notion of youth attacking authority, be it paternal or quasi-paternal. Uh, the mother is allied with the authorities in bringing about the heroine's downfall, quite the opposite of her fate in philosophy in the bedroom, in which she... Is raped, tortured, infected with syphilis, and has her vagina and anus sewed shut by Eugenie. oh yeah, it's a pretty strong book. Uh, the Tower script ends as a morally play. I'm sorry, the Tower script ends as a morality play by surrendering device. In this case, vengeance. Eugenie is fledged libertine at the end, and perhaps inevitable, v- given the already racy subject. It would, no doubt, have been impossible to sell a film to distributors which the innocent heroine, initially so pliant and gentle, becomes as savage and immoral as her tormentors. At least we see a glimpse of this in her treatment of Madame Saint-Ange during the climax. Sodomy and homosexuality are likewise abandoned, although it's not surprising given the key... Pro slighter for these is Sod's story it is Dolmont's. One imagines it would have been difficult to persuade Christopher Lee to fly the flag for backdoor action, no matter how literary the source. That's funny. So, if the film is viewed as a Sod adaptation, one might <laughs> fly the flag for backdoor action. Wow. Okay, so if the film is viewed as a Sod adaptation, we once again complain that the essence has been tampered with like the back door. Uh, Taken on its own terms, however, as a sleazy and sexy thriller, it's a visual triumph for Franco, with moody widescreen compositions emphasizing Eugenie's isolation from normality. Although a few shots here and there slide out of focus, it doesn't really matter because the effect is conductive to the mood of druggy dislocation. Uh, For the most part, the camera is carefully deployed, gliding in and out of rooms, and sweeping slowly across gorgeous windswept visas. Um picturesque yet foreboding the photography broods and glowers supported on the soundtrack with murmurous tendrils of the wind whistling and keening through the narrative as in so many future franco films in fact i wonder if the sound recording is the same each time a key or a tape loop kept safely in franco's sound archive interesting uh, the patina and glamour of wealth in which franco unfolds a story satisfies too with gorgeously camp modern decor and elegant manners from the main cast Rome in particular is fantastic at exuding the sort of cultivated European allure that Alfred Hitchcock might, turning pages, have loved, conveying stylish menace or brisk friendly frivolity as the story alternately demands. Among a few smaller problems, the script runs into bathos here and there, especially when it comes to expressing Eugenie's confusion. Um, ba, 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 ba. Also, the pacing is off, especially in the middle third, where soft-core interludes are allowed to drag just a little too long. One scene in particular I wouldn't mind seeing cut down to size is a shot of Merval opening and closing the blinds in Eugenie's bedroom before making his move and ravishing her drugged body. Even the baroque extravagance of a deep red filter in which Franco deluges the image isn't quite enough to earn the scene. It's rather punishing eight minutes' length. Yeah, that's too long. Uh, the only real unfortunate flaw because it has the ability to dull the film's emotional effect is Marie Lindenhall's inability to convey suffering. We never quite see we never see quite enough fear and confusion in her eyes. She's better than Romina Power and Justine, but undeniably beautiful young but her undeniably beautiful young body, her pouty prettiness, and an air of nativity carry her only so far. The story requires her to undertake a darker, more complex journey than she seemingly has the ability or willingness to convey, as she suffers a heinous betrayal and then becomes embroiled in the sadistic activities of the film's climax. We really ought to see in her face the corruption of which Dolmont speaks with such relish. Sadly, Lindenhall looks almost blank, perhaps hoping this would be suffi- sufficient to represent trauma. No matter, the film raises above, this e- raises above even this stumbling block, and survives on its aura of woozy, psychedelic maliciousness. Jess Franco is, once again, elaborating a favorite theme that would run through many of his best works, the difficulty of navigating between fantasy, illusion, and reality in a world populated by cruel and manipulative characters. Okay, sounds like my work's so nice. <clears throat> the idea of Eugenie's fantasy world being an illusion is cleverly folded into the real-life portions of the film. The bruises and lacerations from her night of pain have disappeared in the morning, leaving the audience as puzzled as the character. Only later, when Dolmats explains his cunning scheme, do we understand all the levels of artifice and illusions at play. Having thus revealed the depravity of Eugenie's fate, Franco inaugurates with a flourish his use of a circular structure that returns the characters to their starting blocks. Although a dramatic dramatic cliché in many ways. It works very nicely here and would serve him well in later stories such as La Croccesse and the morbid sex drama The Hot Nights of Linda. Yep, very true. All right, Franco on screen. Seen just briefly in the red-filtered opening sequence, Franco looks every inch the sleazy voyeur, no method acting required, as he gazes intently at the satanic orgy. The cast and crew Christopher Lee is an eminently suitable actor to convey the grand philosophy and forceful personality of Dolmonts. It's just a pity that his involvement was a source of discord for so many years. In his autobiography, Lee asserted that he had no knowledge of the film's racy content. I narrated away. Everybody I had seen kept their clothes on. There was nothing a Boy Scout could have quivered at. Little did I know that the woman on the altar behind me was naked and that as soon as cut was called drapery was swirled around her or over her. Little did I know that the same scenes were reshot when I was back in London and the actors then peeled. Little did I know of the cross-cutting from me to a scene of debauch that would take place. I first knew of it when I heard that despite being only a guest star my name figured at the very top of the credits on a cinema in Soho frequented by a phalanx of men in raincoats. <laughs> That's funny. One has to wonder how an intel, in, one has to wonder how an intelligent actor like Christopher Lee, fully cognizant of the writings of the Marquis de Sade, could expect a film of this nature to eschew nudity and sexual situations. On the other hand, it's not at all out of character for Franco and Harry Allen Towers to attempt such a deceitful ruse. Nowadays, with admirable dignity. At admirable dignity, Lee's opinion of the fear has softened to a tone of wry amusement, and one hopes that he might even see the film nudity and all for what it is, a fine attempt to depict Sidian imaginings in a commercial context. Uh, In a DVD interview for the film, Franco claimed that Lee's role was originally intended for an actor named called Bernard Peters, who died in a plane crash before filming. However, I'm unable to establish the existence of such an actor. There was a Werner Peters, but he died of a heart attack in 71. In his autobiography, Christopher Lee stated, It was George Sanders' role. I was scribbling, I was scrubbing my golfing kit for the weekend when the producer rang from Spain to see that Sanders had opted out through illness. The German substitute Wolfgang Priess had arrived by air, received the news that his wife had been killed in a car smash and flown home again, and would I drop everything and help out? So, yeah, Wolfgang Prius. Even this account, however, has problems. Records indicate that Wolfgang Prius was married to the same woman, Ruth Prius, from 55 until her death in 2002. Spanish Franco authority Carlos Aguiar says that a German actor in question was, in fact, Horst Frank, which is plausible considering that he had played the Marquita Markieta Brosnack and Justine just a few months earlier. That makes sense. All right, that's funny how it's like a game of telephone turned from... Uh, Bernard Peters, to Wolfgang Prius, to finally uh, Horst Frank. <laughs> it's funny. Lost in translation. All right, music. A uh, wonderfully eight sixty Schmorgesborg of a score from Bruno Nicolai, figuring, featuring the incomparable Edda Orso, the woman whose ethereal vocals swirl around many of the great Italian thrillers of the period, a scene in which the villains seduce Eugenie by giving her special cigarettes. They're Turkish, Oriental. Takes off into orbit with the addition of two wonderful pieces of music. The first, a twinging ode to narcotic surrender. <laughs> the second, a blaring horn piece that celebrates sadism with garish enthusiasm. You're here. All right, studios. Uh, filmed at Estudios Bascar, in Barcelona. Locations Cartagena, Cartagena and La Manja. De la Mar Menor in Mauritia in Barcelona. UK theatrical release. There is no record at the BBFC of this film having been released in the UK. However, Christopher Lee asserts that a friend saw it advertised on the billboard of a London sex cinema. And sure enough, Continental Film Review lists a film called Philosophy in the Boudoir, playing the Tottenham Court Royal Cine Club in January 70. I wonder if I've been there. That sounds really familiar. Um... It would seem that the film circumvented censorship by playing solely in cinema clubs. It also toured the regions, turning up in April 1970 at the Compton Club, Birmingham, and in June 70 at the Leicester Penthouse. All right. Um, Connections. Although often thwarted or softened by censorship, incest is a common theme of Franco's uh sod's work is full of forced and unforced incestuous couplings triplings quadruplings and philosophy in the bedroom is predicated on an especially monumental act of sadistic incest so extreme that no one has ever dared filmed it for sod and for franco the appeal is obviously the transgression of a major societal taboo franco never sired a child so he never had the fantasy crushed by reality Though, see 1974's Exorcism for an example of how close to the line he came when prepared to go with his stepdaughter, Caroline Rivera. Yeah, we talked about that in an earlier episode, the Exorcism episode. Uh, Nevertheless, incest fascinated him as a voyeur and a fantasist. Throughout the 70s and 80s, it would become almost as frequent an ingredient of his stories as nightclub strip shows, (laughs) I always talk about that, lesbianism, and people called radic. That's funny. Uh, one could argue that, in Franco, incest first appears in sublimated form in the father-daughter relationship of the awful Dr. Orloff and Dr. Orloff's monster. Unfortunately, the moral climate of that day meant that, even in 1969, Franco felt he had to convert the central love affair between brother and sister in philosophy in the bedroom into Eugenie, uh, as less taboo tryst between stepbrother and stepsister. Such obvious kowtows to censorship are annoying, but given the realities of film production at the time, it's just too bad besides an obvious enough ploy behind which the true intention can still be perceived. Miraville frequently refers to Marianne as sister and only in one exchange as stepsister, with Jack Taylor dropping the offending remark to the dialogue as if discarding a soiled tissue. Franco would restage the father-daughter dynamic more faithfully in his superlative Eugenie de 1970, and return to the essentials of philosophy in the bedroom in How to Seduce a Virgin, 1973, and the brilliant Eugenia Historia de una Perversion, 1980, while certain key scenes are also replayed in the misleadingly titled The Sexual Story of O, 1983. Also, too, um, jumping ahead, the next episode... Uh, Episode 86, which we jump way ahead and will be in sync to Episode 86, Film 86, Cocktail Special. That uh, will be one of three films that he's in in 1979, which is three of his X-rated films. And uh, Cocktail Special, the, like I said, Film um, 86, is uh, in fact... Another remake of Eugenie as well. And uh, all that. So, um, let's see. Okay. Theatrical um, release. Okay, we did that. Um, all right. Yeah, I kind of got stuck there. Um, Eugenie. Okay. And uh, yeah, so good. All right. Other versions. In the USA, the film was distributed as Eugenie, the story of her journey into aversion. Uh, according to Franco, by exploitation legend Jerry Gross, who booked it into the famous Chinese Theater in Los Angeles. In France, it came out as In Germany, the film was originally to have been distributed in 1970 under the title Das 70. Geschlagen und Gelbett However, the release was pulled due to censorship problems. In 70, 1972, Hamburg's AP Films prepared a version under the title. The Jungfrau und die Pest. However, censorship intervened again, and at last the film was released in june seventy two as wildkatzen uh, some sources mention a Spanish version entitled La Isla La Isla de La Morete, but this appears to be a mistake. In the UK it bypassed the BBFC and popped up as philosophy in the boudoir. All right. Um Problematica. Several of the Spanish actresses in the film were given Scandinavian-sounding pseudonyms presumably to make it appear to unsuspecting people that this was another of Marie Lindenhall's highly successful Swedish sex films, something the poster art strove to imply. Um, press coverage. Little enthusiasm greeted this now well-regarded Franco effort at the time of its release. Variety's reviewer was distinctly unimpressed. Dead fish by any other name would smell just as bad. As either melodrama or erotica, it is basically lifeless. A turn-off. He then naively goes on to inquire, Miss Lindenhall is, however, young, fresh, and pretty. What's a nice girl like her doing in dirty movies like this? To which Variety's rather more worldly editor replied parathletically, She starred in them. John R. Duvalli in the debut issue of Cinema, Tan- Cinema Fantastique was similarly underwhelmed, although he was diametrically opposed view of Miss Marie Lindenhall. Somehow the film never gets off the ground. However, Miss Lindenhall soon finds herself part of some pretty odd perversions and games, but her initiation is somewhat never believable, nor her cry is compelling. It is difficult to accept her as a frightened innocent, or even to accept the fact that she is, or ever was, Virginal, taken out of its own terms. The film was not bad, simply undistinguished. So, yeah, that's their opinion on that. So, all right. I'm just looking ahead, too. So, it's interesting. So, the next film he did after this was Sex Charade, which never came out. Um, I don't think I did a... a, uh, episode on that, but that might be one of our bonus episodes later on, so, yeah, that's that's really interesting, the one with uh, Paul Mueller sold Miranda, Jack Taylor, and Maria Rome, Howard Vernon, but yeah, that's one of the lost films, if one day, hopefully, that film it will come out. I guess there was a time that there was talk about they had found a copy of the film or something, but it was not available. They had, like, a poster or some, some images they found and stuff from it, but yeah, the film's gone. So, Speaking of gone, um, you can – I'm trying to think of a funny segue, but that's not going to work. If you want to donate to the podcast, please feel free. There's a donation button on the – where you download episodes in the display or the uh, main page, Franco Observer page, um, one time or monthly. It's always appreciated. Also, to download uh, any episodes you want the newest one past ones they're all available for you for free so please download and um, more importantly uh, subscribe to the podcast so every wednesday morning you will have a brand new episode waiting for you uh ready to be listened and indulged and devoured and devoured and all that's good stuff so yeah always there for you to physically digest well, not physically, but, you know, mentally digest. Um, and if you like the taste of Franco Observer podcast, tell a friend. Tell your neighbor. Tell your lover. Tell your mother. Tell your mother's lover. Your mother's lover's brother's sister's mother's smucker, I don't know, whatever. But, yeah, tell, tell people about it. Uh, if you think I'm listenable or interesting or you dig the Franco universe and all the weird stuff about it. And all the interesting guests I have had on and will have on, uh, and all of our talking about Franco and other stuff, tell people about it, let them know about it, and help us grow the audience because we are a worldwide show. we have listeners and people that support us in uh, Canada and Quebec, and we got uh, West Germany and uh, Norway and scandinavia and Italy and Spain and all over the place so it's great 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 we're all a big Franco family You all uniformed by our love for Just Franco and Just Franco films talking about Just Franco and all that good stuff it's fun uh, diversion and a thing about life so hopefully you can share the love as well uh, and if you ever want to talk to us about it you can all write us email at uh, one word Franco observer at yahoo.com that's Franco observer at Yahoo.com. Send me an email if you want and I'll reply. Uh, let's see. You can get a hold of us on Facebook or Instagram. We have pages there. The Franco Observer Podcast. has pages there. Uh, Instagram, we always update with pictures of each episode and uh, different Franco news and different news about yours truly and other film-related stuff. And, uh, yeah, that should be good. So, hang out and listen to the usual Franco observer bumper music. And, uh, on the other end of that, you'll hear myself being joined once again by miss Colicini from Los Angeles, California, home of the doors. Uh, and I think this is her 13th appearance. So if you know me, you know, 13 is my favorite number and, uh, yeah, we should have a fun time. So, all right guys, thanks for hanging out and listening. And, uh, I'll be seeing you on the other side of the bumper music. Okay. Hey, all right. So we're back for uh, episode 85, film 24, Eugenie and her journey into perversion. And uh, that journey actually is either a short drive or a very long distance uh, travel. And um, I'm here with somebody who's had many journeys into perversion, (laughs) Miss Kali Sini. How are you tonight, Kali?
1: (laughs) Fantastic. That is the best intro anyone's ever given me.
0: Thank you. Uh, I try to book these on the fly and I try to be creative with my intros with you, you know. (laughs) so. But uh, yeah, it's funny why I think of journey into perversion. I kept thinking of the band journey and it was kind of selling my vision, you know, uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> journeys into perversion. It's like, you know, Steve Perry into perversion. You
1: know? Yeah. Yeah. I was just remembering when <laughs> there was a time when I had a friend who called, who said I looked like Steve Perry.
0: Oh, wow. I know,
1: Cause I had like the hair happening at that. Time. Right. Yeah.
0: That little haircut. Yeah. I know he kind of, had that girl's haircut in the eighties like that.
1: Yeah. I was like, really, but it stuck <laughs> with me when somebody, you know, calls you out like that it's like never forget it you're like you're always looking in the mirror do i look like steve i don't look like steve perry but no. i'm always like kind of wondering I don't, i'm trying not to look like steve perry it's a little a bit of an obsession of mine so whenever i hear journey okay i'm totally rambling yeah go ahead
0: Three y'all flew. well it's nice i hit you with one of the best intros and then a journey line which basically sacked the intro so yeah
1: sorry
0: <laughs> i remember when i was younger i had a, like a big handlebar mustache and i had long hair and uh some lady goes Has anybody told you that you ever looked like Greg Allman? Like, no. So, yeah, I got that before, but not anymore. Exactly. Yeah. Which I always (laughs) thought that was funny because, uh,
1: in this day and age, that's a great uh, double entendre.
0: Yeah. Well, but it's funny because Dwayne Allman got killed on a motorbike and I think he hit a truck with fruit on it. And then the next album was Eat a Peach and he basically, yeah, it was a truck. Yeah. 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 But it was like, After he He died, I was like, ooh, you know, was that like a mean thing or was that just a coincidence, you know?
1: no, it was supposed to be like a like a nod to his brother. That was the whole point was like like a sentimental, um, you know, like eat a peach for Dwayne. Right.
0: But I mean, he crashed into a fruit truck and died. So he did eat a peach. When he got
1: no, killed. No. Yeah, he crashed into a truck of, of peaches. And right. so every time you eat a peach, you're supposed to think... Okay, I
0: got you. Because <laughs> I thought, oh, he ate a peach, like he ate it, like he got killed, like he ate
1: no, it. Not like the, no, not yeah. like... No. See, it's funny. And then there's something like that that
0: ate people can look at a different way. Yeah.
1: You're supposed to think of it doing whenever you eat a peach. But yeah, but you had to take it there.
0: Yeah. Okay. Like he got his motorcycle, <laughs> he crashed, and he ate a peach, you know? It's like, he, he fucking ate it a peach piece, truck. Ate yeah. A
1: yeah. yeah. So... <laughs> But that's funny,
0: which is a good, good, good lead into this film because, uh, this is based on the Marquis de Sade's writing, uh, Philosophy in the Boudoir. And, uh, this was the first attempt by Jess Franco to film this film, even though it's Eugenie in nature. It doesn't really take Eugenie, the story by de Sade, really, besides a few of the names. And, uh, he basically copies the, and in Eugenie, the novel, she goes along with it and she enjoys it. And in this, she's very passive. She doesn't get to enjoy it. So it's more like Justine movie where she's kind of drugged and, and, you know, and she starts to enjoy little bits of it, but it's more of a passive thing. So it's really,
1: it's quite confused about it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) But it's very philosophy. It's definitely
1: not like interacting.
0: No. She's almost like a, a babe in the forest, just like the last film, um um Justine, you know, where she's just like scared at everything. But, you know, but uh but, yeah, but she's more, you know, because in the novel, she basically, you know, goes on with her father. They have the affair and she's into it. And, and then she kills and rapes her mom and all that other stuff. So it's like all that stuff's not even in this, nothing at all in this film of that. So, but uh yeah. yeah. So, so anyway, yes happy holidays no but um yeah so
1: i did not know she killed and raped her mom in the book that's yeah
0: yeah 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 it's like the, the big plan to go after it and, and then
1: holy cow yeah
0: crazy so um so yeah so this is uh made i'm in, really
1: impressed that you've read so much to Saad actually like i can't get through his stuff i try oh yeah
0: it. thank so you cool. thank you for saying that because yeah so uh when I first started getting into Franco and getting in watched uh um, Eugenie Sade with a Soldad Miranda which was the second v- filmed version of this which is a little closer to the book actually uh I used to work at this like government job and I had a cubicle and I would read uh, uh Eugenie uh during my lunch breaks and I was just like reading this really filthy fucking debaucherous beautiful you know elegant novel and uh just knowing that, wow, people around me don't know what I'm ingesting and you when know, <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. you're reading something sleazy and no one knows it, it's a great feeling.
0: Yeah. And you're just like, holy <laughs> shit. And then you have to put it down and you're like, turn and talk to these people. And you're just like, ah, hold on, man. I'm just trying to like break away from what I just read, you know?
1: Right. <laughs> yeah.
0: And stuff, but, but uh, yeah, no, there's uh. Uh, without well actually uh, uh, before we go to the synopsis yeah like uh, there's definitely the spirit of Dasad in this the stuff with Christopher Lee reading the sods certain passages from certain things it uh, was very very cool and that whole spirit was very was in it all the way through even though it had a lot of like Manson family and kind of cult <laughs> stuff mixed in you know which I'm sure Shout you caught some it. of that you know.
1: Shout out to Christopher Lee. Yeah Great. yeah 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 a franco movie to have a it's like a special guest or something exactly (laughs)
0: it's like the master of ceremonies christopher
1: um
0: okay so uh let me go ahead and uh read basically the little synopsis of this it's actually quite wordy on this one so Uh, okay let's see um a decadent aristocratic figure in period hellfire club garb delivers an opening address from the writings of the Marquis de Sade besides a naked woman on a sacrificial altar surrounded by a group of acolytes. Eugenie Mistival, a beautiful teenage girl who lives with her controlling mother, is feeling the first stirrings of sexuality and yearns for adventure. A friend of Eugenie's father, a sophisticated older woman called Mariana Saint-Ange, who operates as a high-class prostitute called Madame Renaud, invites the girl to her private island for the weekend. Actually, let's just stop there. I'm going to kind of break this down section by section because there's a lot there. Um, Yeah, this whole opening section of of her and her mom and her dad, Paul Mueller, and the seduction of... Maria Rome talking to her on the phone and all that building and her having her picture and and laying on the bed and and all that it's a really strong opening it, it kind of like moves really good and it, it jams really well and uh there's a lot of cool shots of them driving really really nice and uh Paul Mueller and her have the affair which is a really good steamy scene when you see it through the bed bed uh posts I guess uh, for, for bed frame All right. Well, we had technical difficulties. We uh, lost Collie midstream. So I'm going to go ahead and read the rest of the synopsis and wait for her to join us. Um, Let's see. Um, A friend of Eugenie's father, a sophisticated older woman called Mariana St. Ange, who operates the a high-class prostitute, invites the girl to her private island for the weekend. Eugenie's father, who's having a sadomasochistic affair with Mariana, agrees to surrender his daughter to his mistress for who-knows-what sexual experiences. Arriving on the island, Eugenie meets Miravelle, Mariana's intense stepbrother who can barely restrain his desire for her. Mariana seduces Eugenie by rubbing suntan oil into her breasts. Gradually, Mariana and Miravelle feed Eugenie snippets of the libertine philosophy of the Marquis de Sade under the guise of an adult education in literature. Mariana's handyman, Augustin, is concerned for Eugenie, but keeps his counsel because Mariana rescued him from the gutter and gave him a job. Teresa, Mariana's deaf-mute servant, is oblivious and can do nothing. Mariana and Merville, it transpires, are members of Dolomont's Circle of Libertines, all of whom have been invited to the island to enjoy Eugenie. Mervelle and Mariana drug Eugenie and strip her, and Mervelle takes advantage of her semi-consciousness to explore her intimate regions. Later that evening, she's drugged again. Dolomonts and his followers arrive, dressed in French 18th-century garb. Marianne and Merville strip the dazed and drugged Eugene and thrash her with whips and assorted tools of torture, as Dolomance reads from the work of the Marquis. When Eugenie wakes the next morning, the marks from the beating are gone. Mariana convinces her that she must have had an erotic dream. The three continue their pleasant holiday with a boat ride around the island. That evening, however, the real fun begins. Dolomance and his sadistic friends turn up again and reveal to eugenie not only the depth of their cunning deception but also the lengths to which she must now go deeper and deeper into corruption all righty well um collie had an upset stomach and she had to leave no i uh so <laughs> he's back no and uh so collie uh after Disappearing and reappearing, cat magic,
1: you- magic. That's what happened. My cat jumped and my internet went out magically.
0: But you don't believe in magic, so so what are you talking about?
1: Oh, maybe a little bit.
0: <laughs> so, uh, what did you think about Eugenie? The story of her journey into perversion. Yeah. What
1: was that? Did you you didn't hear that, right?
0: I did. I'm hearing feedback.
1: That was so cool. Yeah, I want to remix that. <laughs> what, did you, what did you think of Eugenie? <laughs> Speak, well, I, I really, 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 really liked it. <laughs> um, um, yeah, it's uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, it, it? I mean, of the Eugenies, it's a fun one. <laughs> the, you know, there's the three Eugenies that, just as I suppose we should note that early on for the viewers. Yeah. Um, this is to be super clear. Um, First one. Her inter- descent. <laughs>
0: yeah, because you have Eugenie her descent into perversion. Or the story of represent into version. And then you have uh, Eugenie, also known as Eugenie de which is 1970, which is like two years after this, and then the 1980 version, which is the third one.
1: Yeah, and of course, Soledad is in the one, so you know that. Yeah, like destroys all others, but we will. Although- still- about this one because you know, no, I'm just kidding. It's they're 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 all gorgeous. Although Maria Rom really steals the show even from the youngster.
0: Yeah. Okay, so this is like my second time watching it, and I hadn't watched it in probably sixteen, seventeen years, you know. And I really liked a lot more this time. First time I didn't really dig it or whatever, because I got it for Christopher Lee, of course, like I did with Fu Manchu, and I was like, Oh, this is kind of dated or whatever. I didn't really think too much about it in my twenties. But uh, now at 48, I definitely fucking dug it. And Maria Rome climbs even higher up the ladder again. The last movie, I thought she was the best, but this is like even better. So, I mean, shit, this might be her movie. This or Venus and Furs? Really, I still like... think
1: the last movie, I just think she's better in Justine. I just think she's magnificent in Justine. I mean, oh, you mean,
0: you mean awesome. Venus and Furs or Justine?
1: Oh, sorry, Venus in first. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Because Venus in first, but, yeah. but in this, though, I mean, all of her outfits, just how evil We're she is. We just talking about
1: just you know, I guess, I just mixed it in my head. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, totally, totally. But yeah, the, the last, the Venus in first, I mean, she's so enchanting in that. Like, I don't know. But yeah, this one, yeah, she's still super magical. She's she, She's got it going on. But she, I mean, like, I don't know. She's just and so a totally
0: dumb. different character. And I was like looking at it. and she has a really good range. Like, she plays Damsel in Distress, the quiet killer uh evil seductress manipulator i mean she plays a lot of cool like all the way through you know the bloody judge after this and and she has a and um 99 women she's totally different she's totally different in all these different roles she doesn't play one note you know and she was really 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 strong you know
1: she's diabolical as fucking this one too
0: yeah yeah
1: Yeah. definitely yeah (laughs) i mean she's a teacher who you know has a, a murderous intent, but she's trying to, yeah, I mean. Oh, all of her
0: outfits in this her right. like all of her seats. Like she has that cool see-through shirt, which is great because it's like she's mm-hmm. wearing clothes to fit in. Okay. So, so we will start breaking down all the symbols. Like she wears clothes, so she has to conform to society, but she wears a see-through shirt with nothing underneath. And it's just, that's perfect. And it's like the island there. They live away from society they 're all into themselves they 're broken off from society and it 's like they 're island into themselves and it 's like all that mentality goes through the whole film and all these symbols and right, all their
1: own little rules it 's their own yeah. little world. I love the whole it 's so creepy though. can we just talk about how insanely creepy it is that it begins where she 's stooping uh her dad. In order to convince daddy to, to let his daughter, his right. like, you know, Nubian little, or, you know, what, what is the word? The young little, you know,
0: Virginal 17 princess.
1: little virgin, you know, like to, it, off to the, then he's like, you promise you won't hurt her, but like, you know he knows that she's going off to this island to be indoctrinated into her universe of perversion. That like right, he only right. associates this woman with like what else? But He's like, what do you want to do with her? And she's like, play with her. And like, I do. I have your permission. And she's like, fucking him as she asks. And he's like, yeah, you can have my daughter because oh, you know that's so good. And you're like, it's so messed up that she gets like the dad's permission to deflower his daughter like it but it's kind of awesome because i mean how many guys have asked for you know their the dad's permission to deflower the daughter it's kind of kind of that's hilarious. true
0: yeah and it's really good Broke that scene too because like because she's like dragging it out of him and, and it's in stages and you think he already says yes but he just keeps asking questions and he's like well are you gonna do this and that and she's oh yeah I promise you know she's so virtual she's just like yeah the last time i've turned on to her because she's so innocent she's so you know Naive and everything, and so it's like, yeah, that whole just that corruption. And now that sequence reminded me of uh, Lorna the Exorcist, where him and that woman have the affair, and then she says years later, I'm gonna have your daughter when you, she's of age and stuff. So he does. Oh it my god! Later.
1: Yeah. <laughs> god, your memory is just... I-
0: <laughs> well, those things like it's funny. It's funny like people's names I'll forget my coworkers and stuff, which is crazy. But like this shit, I can just fucking channel. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but
0: franco yeah i'm tuned into the special tune. Yeah. Yeah. but yeah so uh but yeah so it's like watching i go oh there's their shades of that there's shades of that and stuff so you see his themes that he uses over and over again Well, not over and over again but he'll revisit them in different films at different times which uh i don't know is either being lazy or being uh or having your having your move like for me it's almost like being a wrestler like each wrestler has like you know your certain moves that you're famous for and you have your finishing move or you have your certain stuff, your certain style and stuff. Same with Franco. He has his certain, you know, you'll see two naked girls or you'll see a girl taking her clothes off on stage or you'll see, you know, jazz music or you have these certain things that you can kind of always count on. If you don't have those things, it's like, well, that's not Jess Franco, or that's not this person, you know, but if you hit those big things that people want to see or that you're famous for, but then you get trapped into doing that as well. So but I don't know. I mean, I think it's just a style that thing. That thing
1: that you're trying to work out, right? That's what psychologists are always yammering on about. Is like, you know, if you, like, you're, you like, whoever you date or whoever, whatever you're, like, you know, you're, you're always repeating the same story. It's like you're just trying to like work that thing out. You're trying to like, you know, yeah. like, like, pra- like practice it until you get it right. Like, re- relive it. It's it's like role playing almost or something like you're just trying to like make it happen the way you wanted it to happen. So he's got like some vision that he's still trying to he tries to recreate it. Probably you know Franco's like he has this notion in his mind that he just keeps trying to make better every time with every shot. It's cute, yeah. I mean we all do that in there. Totally.
0: especially just, when yeah. you have him who's making more than one film a year. Like most people would make one film, maybe two films a year if you're lucky. Well, right. he's doing four to. Or 12 or whatever his year is <laughs> so he's doing these repeating things faster. Cause he's trying to, you know, and, and taking things that he knows works or doesn't work like you're saying, and then going, Oh, I did that. Okay. But if I do this little bit extra, it'll make it better. Like you're saying, and, and kind of fine tuning these certain elements, you know, and maybe he already had it perfect the first time. And as he redoes it, it's getting Washed out more, or it's getting stronger depending on what the idea is, you know. Yeah.
1: Like every artist, the first book always says what they wanted to say, and then the, all the other books are just reworking it. But yeah. like you, you get it better sometimes, you make you get it less, but you're always just kind of doing it through different lenses, which is always just so fun because there's so many ways to tell the same story. But yeah, it's yeah, good stuff, which yeah, is no, funny. definitely has a, a bit of a one track mind. But, I mean, it's, it's so cool to watch the way that he works and like think about what he's doing and everything like when you were talking about how you know how excited the guy was that he you know she's she's young and that's why i like her and he's like to talk about all of his enthusiasm and then before she even gets off the boat, he like sees her from the boat. And he's like, Oh my God, I was just, he's like so excited. And he stops and he's like running down, you know, to like, he's got to, he's like, he's just like overwhelmed with desire. And I, I was as watching that. I was just thinking about Jess, like giving him direction. Like, you know, like before woman even gets off the boat, you want to just ravage her. You know? just
0: right. Like- which is cool too, watching Jack Taylor in this because I was watching him and he's more natural with his kissing and he actually is believable in this. Because in other films, you watch him, he kisses real wild or he'll or he won't be very, he doesn't kiss or he doesn't make out or he'll like do little things to kind of work around, but he doesn't go right in. in this film, him and Rhea rome had really good scenes together and they were kissing and it was natural and I was like, okay, cool. I'll either. Different time in his life, or he was more comfortable around her, or something. But yeah, it was it was interesting to watch that. So
1: that is interesting. And,
0: and he I was very that. creepy in this. Very well, first of all, he has no mustache in this film. So He's either have the Jack Taylor mustache films or no mustache films.
1: That's why he looked so. Yeah, I was like, yeah, okay because he yeah. has no
0: mustache in voodoo passion like a lot I was later
1: because so I, like, I was watching him i felt like he looked extremely familiar but even though i said that i don't know i just didn't he just a guy who with and without a mustache is like a totally different human to me
0: yeah and he's he, he,
1: he like grew a mustache or or shaved it i'd be like who are you like that's it's that night and day for me i can't that's the was jack taylor i totally didn't even
0: well you didn't know that. that yeah no totally totally think, yeah
1: you, I didn't, yeah it's
0: totally all-star cast. you got maria rome jack taylor paul mueller uh christopher lee you know you got some of the franco regulars in this which is cool and then of course the main actress uh maria Lindenhall, hall who's in uh inga so it's interesting that like uh so the inga movies had came out before this and that was like those uh um, swedish sex films that were kind of big at the time the early 60s where they're trying to like not show porn, but try to get as close as they can into the theater, like I'm curious, Yellow, and Inga, and all these first one named ones, you know, which came from. Lolita. Oh, I was
1: thinking of Ilsa. I don't have no idea what Inga is.
0: Yeah, Inga. Yeah, Inga. It's like the Swedish sex films. Very <laughs> okay. just, you know, kind of, and then they did the uh, the schoolgirl report films from Germany. About a year or two later, and they did like. 15 or 20 of those and yeah so they're all those type of deals but uh
1: good on that rabbit hole
0: yeah yeah that's a whole other story but so so with this they're trying to cash in on the whole late 60s kind of sex cinema kind of chic like oh we got these big name stars kind of like lolita or candy did where they have oh well we got james mason and we got this name but it's this sexual element you know and Lolita is funny inspired so much because you have Eugenie and Justine and those are one name words and Inga and then Lolita was the main one, I think. So it's all that marketing shit, you know, and then with the whole quasi porno thing of Christopher Lee and putting that name on it and oh, let's see what happens. And, and this is quite uh, a lot of nudity to it um, and not to jump on the list, but there is an appearance of the magic tongue by um, Rhea Rome she goes on her nipples with the magic tongue like two or three times i was like all right i like wrote it down number 17 magic tongue you know <laughs> actually, is at number 17 nope number what is magic tongue magic tongue is actually number 14 close but uh yeah so uh but yeah no it was funny the whole sex cinema element of this so they were cashing on this and the incest thing as well uh it's supposed to be brother and sister, but here they're step brother and sister. And they only say it I once.
1: Catch step, That's lame.
0: Yeah. They say at the end, they say step. He says one time when he's saying, "Oh, it's my stepsister, but it's this and that, but they want to get through with the, the whole incestual thing. So it's funny. And that was one of the first Franco elements, although they talk about, I was reading that uh, awful. Dr. Orloff is kind of an incestual thing with him and his daughter trying to fix her to bring her back and then later on in uh diabolical Dr. Z with him and his daughter, that kind of a unnecessary element. And then with this though it's full brother and sister finally, you know. So you have those themes and then he revisits that and over his filmography over and over not over and over again, but a few times <laughs> here and there, you know. Every single film no, 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 no. <laughs> But yeah, so it's interesting. All those elements coming together for this time frame is is kind of weird looking at what was popular and what they decided to try to make it so it's a popular film and this was a very uh popular film in america i mean it played a lot of theaters and it got marketed and it played all over the place it w- didn't come and go you know it definitely hung out played drive-ins and and, and played a lot of cool shit you know so, oh nice yeah i i yeah. see a lot of ads for this so.
1: this at a drive-in in its day
0: yeah no so. was, yeah that that'd be, which is funny not to cut aside but I'm pushing, which I haven't said anything, but maybe if somebody listens to this, has some pull. Uh, I want some Just Franco films booked in Los Angeles. Uh, yes. I I want New Beverly to show Just Franco film because I can't think of a time that I've seen a Just Franco film advertised at New Beverly. So, and I don't know why. So,
1: yeah, that's kind of ridiculous.
0: Yeah, I mean, even some like you know, yes. Vampiros Lesbos, or I mean, something that can they can get easy. I'm sure Severin has prints, or I don't, I don't know. Interesting. You know, I, I know they're only 35 millimeter sure, and stuff. Tarantino
1: himself people. has friends, you know, Oh, and, I'm
0: sure he has something 99 women or he has something, I'm sure, you know,
1: yeah, he's got his private stash for new Bev. Yeah. yeah so,
0: so anybody's listening to this fucking Tarantino, if, if you're, you're
1: listening, listening.
0: exactly. <laughs> Book some Franco at the fucking new Beverly A- ASAP. So back Chanel. but yeah, so um,
1: I suppose we should mention to people who don't know about L.A., that. But- that Tarantino owns the New Beverly. It's his little grindhouse theater there.
0: Just yeah.
1: Like, explain that because, you know, people in the Netherlands aren't going to know that. And I know you get hits from all over the world.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's true. So, yeah. So in Los Angeles, about, California, like, he's owned on it. About- <laughs> yeah, he's owned it for a few years and he bought uh, a second theater recently. I had I, I, I heard. The like Vista theater.
1: is going he's revamping it.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. so that'd be cool.
1: I'm down. It's really close to me.
0: Awesome. No, that's that's good. It's always good to have more screens to show rep cinema and all that. More stuff. screens. So um only. So yeah, so back to Franco. Uh so like <laughs> we have the we have the island, which is really cool. Um, and we have like I'm not going over the list, but um but the that whole sequence is cool. Oh, also, too, which I thought was really interesting, since we watched Venus and Furs before this, and we had talked about how he wanted to do the thing about the black trumpet player and Maria Rome being the vision of his desire. So then she kisses him. So it's like Franco got to film the scene of the black man kissing Maria Rome that he desired her. I'm like, oh, awesome. Franco's like, well, now I get to shoot this shot. You know, that's, fuck you, yeah. you know? which that was kind of cool.
1: That's great. Yeah. I love yeah. that.
0: I totally saw so that. Cool. I caught that. I was like, oh, fucking, I wonder if that was, I'm sure that was on purpose, you know.
1: Yeah, I love how he is like upset that you know they basically like what isn't there like a term for when you drug and rape someone? That's like a there's got to be like a, a, a
0: Saturday night in L. A. No,
1: right? Like there's like there's <laughs> kind of but like I think that's like a thing now. But um, but uh, like a oh never mind. Anyway, well it's it's, it's- they do her and he's upset about it and then she's like, but I got you off the street, so kiss me. <laughs> Kenny's like okay
0: yeah yeah he's, <laughs> he's like so when hot? I found he's you like
1: so you just totally raped this drugged and raped this chick well that but as long as you kiss me like it's all good like like I love that he was trying to take the moral high ground for about half a second there that was that was quality yeah
0: yeah and she's so like cold in this like you start thinking about like like different things that they kind of hint at because like She's almost like a slave owner, basically. Like that's her place. The guy, she's like, when I found you, you had nothing. And like, you know, yeah. you're this and that. And, and then it's like he gets to kiss her. It's like she gets to, you know, you get to kiss the man, you know. And he tells him like,
1: remind me you appreciate that or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, so that he'll kiss her. Like kiss so the we, ring, maybe.
0: Exactly. <laughs> so that's that's yeah. has like she has him by the nuts. And and you could tell that. Things have happened before because he's like, hey, man, you know, he sees what's going down and he knows. So it's like it's kind of already like it's a pattern, you know, and as you find out, he knows the cult and, all, you know, the order and everything and what what they do and all that shit and stuff. So uh, which is really cool, that whole element of that cult element. I thought they pulled it off really well in that type of deal because you see that element a lot later on in 70s um, satanic cinema of like Brotherhood of Evil and some other stuff where they have that kind of that subversive thing and it floats through and it's an element and and all that stuff so yeah yeah, I i definitely dug that um oh and then we have the maid the the mute servant which he uses that later in cries of pleasure again with the the mute servant and then as a guy in hot nights of linda the the kind of the mute servant guy in that one you know who's like you know that guy and then the woman who's who they kill later on in in cries of pleasure but uh but yeah, that's another character that he likes, that kind of mute servant, which goes back to Morpho. So,
1: so desirable right now. I'm just like, God, it would be so awesome to have a mute servant. I love that. <laughs> God.
0: I'm a this, writer
1: at work, and there's this like guy who won't stop talking, and I just go insane with him constantly. And as we were driving home, or as I was driving home, it, with his voice still in my head. I was thinking, God, he just talks too much. And like, it just, that would be so nice to have a mute servant. Like, I love that. That's just sounds so soothing to me right now.
0: You can
1: totally edit this out, but I just want to say, like, how nice. No, that's that fine.
0: Is. But <laughs> having a mute servant wouldn't be very uh, good on this podcast. I, I would be that. sure.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I suppose it depends on the conversation, but sometimes you just are like, oh my God. Like, well, I love the notion of someone just being around and doing your bidding and not fucking talking to you. That's just. I'm, I could so go for it. Like, I, I, I don't know why I've never thought about that, but I just really am liking that thought a lot. I think that's a lovely notion. It's
0: actually quite charming as well. It's it's a very nice thing. You know?
1: <laughs> right? Yeah. Get, just...
0: It's so nice if you just shut the fuck up and just do stuff for me.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. I want one of those. That's what it's come to.
0: That's funny. <laughs> well, okay. I won't go any further into that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: further but let's
0: um so yeah so we have the mute servant which is funny because that goes back to morpho you know and and all the other mute servants through the films the dr orloff monsters and all that stuff of the mute servant you know um uh, but it's funny it's it's more more like a like a person and less of a monster in this film um also to uh on a side note two fashion elements that i kind of want to copy after watching the past few films uh back to justine uh i thought it'd be cool to start wearing like white powdered wigs like klaus kinski wears as Marquis de Sade. thought it'd be cool to like put one on and start writing or doing your thing and then take it back off and do your stuff you know
1: bring those back it was exactly. 90 degrees today in la i don't see that coming yeah but... i know it's good yeah. it's <laughs> timing.
0: but winter time you know i thought you know you don't see people heart wearing heart those heart powdered hair. wigs <laughs> as much <laughs> so and two christopher lee's well, I jacket. Died
1: here last night to fight off the white hairs so i don't know
0: yeah let's do for white hairs maybe
1: Dark, but yeah.
0: uh I think to uh, Christopher Lee's red jacket is like so fucking badass for a guy in this. Oh
1: movie. my god, the fashion like that black dress with the freaking rhinestones on the the cleavage and the, oh yeah yeah that was just like so sick. I was like, oh, I could make that, like I want that. And then I remembered how old I was, and I was like, oh, I don't get to wear that. It was the saddest. <laughs> like you know, like minute of thinking 30 seconds of thought that I ever had and then I just sat there staring at that dress like ah, oh, why funny. did I ever have that dress that dress is like but then yeah like you said Maria Rahm's dress like oh she one has one
0: like 7 or 8 outfits that are all amazing in this fucking that film green
1: one. like the, the dip cleavage and she, the, the only thing that actually is covered is her cooch you know yeah. like everything else is all sheer you can see everything else if you just look right
0: yeah, she has great panties in this, great necklaces. My favorite outfit was the very last one she wears. The black cape, the black panties, the black knee-high boots. Oh, Ooh. my gosh. She is so fucking amazing when she's Absolutely. wearing that. And topless. But, you know,
1: my favorite outfit was when they were both naked. That was my favorite outfit. Cause yeah, the birthday that little girl's butt. Is, oh, yeah. See, little girls. That's a big girl's butt. That booty. Dang. She said, I think it was like laying down it was still like a mountain i mean that was a that was a booty on that little girl
0: well actually that that's about where i was going to go to right this time so the scene <laughs> where she Let's bathes her where she bathes her and then they go out and they lay on so actually that's one of the fucking coolest bathrooms i've ever seen that bathtub right next to that little that a bathtub next to a glass fucking
1: that was amazing thing with yeah. grass
0: right next to it we can Bathe and then go out and lay down and get sun. It was just so beautiful. Yeah, they cracked,
1: but they didn't even put a fucking towel down. Let's just lay right on the grass. Like Maria
0: does? Rome laid face down like, and then a, put the towel down. Day. Yeah, that's what I thought. I'm like, why isn't she just laying breast <laughs> down on the grass? Like, yeah.
1: yeah, like that's not comfortable. I don't care how soft your grass is. Like that's weird. I was, I was just telling him to do stuff that was nonsense and he knew it. But
0: but what's great is like he shoots her in the bathtub through that glass. So it's almost like we're being a voyeur. So we're watching it through a glass as like a glass TV or whatever. And then you see uh, Paul or, uh, uh, Jack Taylor's watching it the whole time when she's putting the suntan lotion on her and we post- look back up us. Us. So
1: we're watching it through the glass and Maria Rama's feeling her breasts and going one day a man will be doing this. Yeah. Oh my God.
0: And then she's kind of gets her turned on and then she kind of like Giggled has to create all. the fake oh. facade of giggling or tickling her to kind of like break that tension. But it, but it's all manipulation, the whole, just all the
1: bathe in the sun and lay on the grass, no big deal. And then, Oh, I'm going to teach you this. And, and the boy's going to watch while I make out with you. And that was just all like, I love that scene to pieces filmed that and sent it to a boy.
0: Now watching this <laughs> through 2021 eyes, this is all about grooming and gaslighting.
1: Yes, my favorite thing. <laughs> in the whole wide world as forty-nine-year-old.
0: I'm thinking about that because she grooms her all the <laughs> way through, and then she's gaslighting her. No, you didn't have that. It's all a dream. That didn't happen. Wipe oh, off all yeah. the bruises. She's totally gaslighting her. No, no, no. And like, okay, and then she's bringing her in and. Giving her wine and fucking giving her joints and just fucking, you know, teaching her shit. Oh, this is all adult education and just totally. Imagine that's
1: the first time you smoke weed and like fucking like pirates dudes come out of nowhere and like like start whipping you and 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 beating you with chains. And then the next morning they're like oh where's all the scars it was all a dream what are you talking about and you're like oh okay cool and go ride on a boat with them like it's no big deal fun times i like that's- the
0: description you gave so pirates beating with chains come out of nowhere it sounds like the fucking john carpenter's the fog like these totally. guys beat beater with chains and then disappear <laughs> <laughs> they're more like victoria you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it
1: actually was kind of like john carpenter's the fog i love that that's so that's such a good analogy Totally. Like, that's, that's, they should have actually, if, if only there was fog like happening, that would have been perfect.
0: Well, there's fog in the opening titles, which is really cool. I skipped over that, yeah. but you see that, that whole haze and it says like Eugene, which is great because that opening sequence where you see the buildings and it's just that like superimposed kind of fog, it's almost like the haze of the experience is kind of covering your eyes. And all through this film, there's so much out of focus shots, which will go with that on the list, but a lot of that has to do with the haze of kind of whatever you can say, the haze of experience, the haze of morality, the haze of whatever, you know, seduction, the haze of whatever, you know, Love
1: so that. it's all haze haze of morality.
0: Yeah. Cause that's a haze that some people have to just look at every day or that's a, you know, a negative haze, but you know, so, Oh yeah. yeah. So no, definitely hazes and fogs and this all the way through, which yeah. is really good because she's always in a fog too. She doesn't remember shit and it's all a fog, you know, but, uh, and, uh, yeah, but you're right. There is some are Victorian, but some of those guys look like they could be pirates because they're kind of like the big mustaches. And,
1: I mean, yeah, they're not, the but it's like, I so mean, something. they do come on a, on a boat. And That's true. Dressed.
0: They sail off. There's a lot I of boats. They're
1: dressed in, the, in the style of, of the Marquis de Sade of those times from 150 years ago, whatever, but it's like, I mean, when they're all dressed, especially with those hats, and I love the one chick who's dressed like Stevie Nicks. Like, the, I, the oh shirt. yeah,
0: yeah, the one that's like with Christopher Lee. What
1: was with Christopher Lee? Yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. those two together. I was like, oh my god, it's like Stevie Nicks and Christopher Lee. I'm having such a moment. <laughs> that's all that's a cool that. call.
0: I didn't think about that. Yeah. That's really funny.
1: So her little hat that, that was totally a Stevie hat, and her little, the bosom thing, like all yeah. the all of the the boots. It was just uh, yeah, that just slayed me. I was so.
0: But which is cool, too, because like uh, Stephen Third pointed out that it's cool that you can capture the element of the times with just having a few people in costumes showing up at modern times instead of doing a whole period piece and having it fall flat or whatever as
1: well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They got to have like some people totally dressed up and playing a minute, but then go back to the high fashion of the the moment. Exactly.
0: So it's almost like a kind of like a eyes white shut or something too where they have that element of that you know oh,
1: totally going yeah
0: ceremony and all that this stuff would be
1: definitely but. inspired eyes white shut i'm sure kubrick watched this and took notes
0: yeah i know there's definitely a lot of stuff um <laughs> so we have uh so, so we have jack taylor of course watching the girls uh um with the uh oh yeah so that was interesting so when jack taylor's watching there the two girls are rubbing if you look behind him, there's like these sculptures and they almost look like tits with nipples sticking up behind <laughs> him. There's like three or four of them all behind him. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. So he's like surrounded by these four boobs and he's looking at these girls here naked. And he's just sex all around him. Like his landscape is sex, you know? So he's like in the sex world. But yeah, I thought that was a really that's cool shot. how
1: I feel all the time.
0: Yeah, no, It's just Collie Land, Collie <laughs> World, <No,
1: laughs> California. I'm saying that's how, how Franco feels all the oh, time.
0: How about you? <laughs> that's funny um so you have uh, oh yeah another sequence too. talk about people that watch stuff what's your okay so we keep talking about david lynch especially this this period of films the stuff with jack taylor and the curtains like back and that forth weird like for a yeah. long time just keeps that so getting, weird. That, getting that getting this changing totally the speed and shit
1: up yeah that was really strange like let's just see what happens if we open and close these blinds 40 fucking times yeah i was like what is he doing? it was kind of cool when it caught like the sun or whatever and there was some cool moments that happened but it was like branko was stoned man well
0: see here's the thing that i wow. caught out of it i was watching it and i was looking at it different levels visually first just it's cool it's it's a red filter the whole thing's red red light whatever which of course on the list uh and you have him changing the speed, and he's just sitting there focused on that, trying to like mesmerize her as she's on the bed, trying to like hypnotize her, like she's mind
1: control, check. Yeah,
0: mind control changing the speed, but also too, he's drunk and he's almost he's not impotent, but he can't get it up. So he's kind of like doing this shit to kind of like fall around and he's like doing all this shit so until he can get hard, basically. So he's doing all this shit like guys do where they're like play with the boobs, do the shit waiting to get a hard on so he can fuck her. And then later on when his sister comes in, then he Nick gets him hard and then he can get on top of her and, and do her, you know, but he's like sitting there fucking with the blinds way too long. I was like, okay, he's just fucking stalling for time until she comes in and shit and, you know, and takes over, you know, <laughs> so
1: there so, was but, a method to the madness. Okay. Yeah. So
0: I thought about that on the psychology level. And then also on the visual level and the David Lynch level. And I was like, okay, this is fucking trippy fucking scene, you know, but I thought of the lady, the lady with the patch, uh, that was, Obsessed with the blinds and Twin Peaks, with the quiet blinds and no sound, the blinds and focusing on the blinds. Kept thinking of that when I was watching this. So. Um, Love it. Oh, and also too, another red room sequence. Uh, You had the red room in um, Venus and Furs, where that shot of her laying down and all of them standing up in that red room. And in the course of this, a real red room with red lights all over the place, and then later in Les Abranales uh where he goes in that red room that's my favorite red room in, of all the franco films but he has a thing for the red rooms those are almost like uh david lynch uses that later on with the lodge it's like a it's like a symbol for madness or of just the other side or something and that 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 red room you know so i don't
1: want to descend into my own madness but I, have i told you about my, my red room I used to call it my red womb. I painted um, the floor. Well, the floor was already this like red tinted wood. And so I painted all the wall. There was no windows in this room that I had to live in. And I hated that I was in this like white room. It made me feel like I was in this like cell so i painted it all red and like the ceiling all of it and it made me feel like i was in a red womb and i got really into it i got like red velvet and satin um like duvet bed sheets and i sat i had red satin bed sheets i had like Jeez. this was when i was in my 20s like I, I had this like one of those black panther lights with the red like you know giant right. it was like all, everything was red it was like Guys would come in. There was like the the glow was red from all the lights, were red, and it was all shimmery, kind of because the satin. And there was like other, like I had red glitter painting I'd made, and it was just this whole red womb. I call it my red, my red room, my red womb. And like come into my womb, and that was my whole yeah, that was that was Kali in her 20s. So it really does charm me that right, the red
0: rooms, but yours is more of a sexual kind of nesting thing and <laughs> are like killing mess. and fucking t- 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 just destroying people and eat well I guess that could hey, be you me too see me uh, so you in your 20s maybe I take that back no. <laughs> but anyway Um speaking of red uh, yeah so those joints we were talking about earlier if you noticed he smokes a blue joint she smokes a pink joint and Maria smokes like a reddish joint they're all different colors which I thought that was fucking really cool I've never seen that before
1: yeah, yeah, I love how that. I mean, because also, like, how many people need to smoke a joint? But no, yeah, her whole thing of, you know, oh, it tastes, what did she say it tastes like? It goes, was oh, like, it tastes
0: funny. And he goes, oh, it's Turkish. It's Oriental. Yeah, it's
1: Turkish. It's Turkish. I love it. Yeah, that. and
0: then he goes, it's Oriental. It's like, what? That is it?
1: Turkish tobacco. It's yeah. that wacky tobacco.
0: Yeah, she goes. Oh, this tastes funny. Then she goes. Oh.
1: I kept thinking, it was like, I, I'm always thinking about that. Like, what if that was your first time getting high? Like, how are you ever going to get stoned again? Being like, gee, maybe pirates will come and whip me. <laughs>
0: yeah, with chains.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that I mean, should
0: be the uh for this episode pirates might whip me with chains
1: <laughs> <laughs> the ball and chain that they swung around i was like what i love how that was like supposed to be fake though like how was that they were like oh yeah okay
0: yeah so yeah let's kind of go back to some of that stuff yeah i know the whipping it's like he says oh they were it was uh red something paint or rose petals or something that did it and, yeah but that thing he's hitting her with is pretty right. solid and i yeah. don't know
1: yeah she's like where are the bruises the next day and and oh look it was all a dream but it was like that looked pretty you know like like there was bruises on her that night like you saw all those bruises on her that night so okay and and i'll be like i don't know well plus
0: two i mean you know i'm a guy you're a woman i if some guy you know has sex with you when you were out of it wouldn't you know it the next day
1: i mean i mean necessarily but it would depend you know but not really i mean but
0: but maybe her she's like quote unquote a virgin or she's you know at least that or at least maybe not as i don't want to get so graphic
1: but like you know if he came in her or not that would be like you know you could probably detect a scent but in general it's not like that's gonna show up the next day the scent would be there probably if he came but if he didn't come probably not you wouldn't really know well
0: then to me that just doesn't i don't know it doesn't show his prowess i you guess you're completely
1: blacked out you know yeah
0: but i mean she's like she'd go oh i'm sore or like kind of like feel like she's oh, bruised or you know well
1: if it was your first time you'd be sore but yeah. i mean after that it's a muscle you know you use it it's fine
0: yeah well I'm
1: not yeah i know I, I know guys like to like imagine that like women are left sore for days but that's i mean i'm making <laughs> hand signals i'm
0: not saying nothing but after well, after this episode ends we'll I mean, talk a second but
1: <laughs> that's wonderful. i'll tell you some stories <laughs> okay i mean yeah i guess i okay now that i think about it yeah there's been time of course but i mean it's not, it's not like an every time thing is the thing like, like every time you have good sex you're not sore the next day is my point like,
0: right no i understand that but are. but if but at least you'd feel something not like 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 In this thing, it's like know. it's
1: not a guarantee that like you would know if you were blacked out like you wouldn't necessarily right know.
0: That's but all yeah I was- yeah, but it's funny. Just all that he was I was it, laughing. It,
1: it, it, it's. I mean, it, it'd be unclear enough to where you didn't know, you know, for sure. Like, was I? Wasn't I? Like, you know, That's like true. if you didn't leave
0: any marks, I guess, or you know, something yeah. like that. But so yeah. But yeah, so you have that, uh which I thought was pretty funny. And but then, I mean,
1: women are really good at getting gaslighted too. Kind of just say like you know, like you you almost gaslight yourself. Like, of course, I wasn't raped. Like,
0: <laughs> like- yeah, I don't know. It seems like. Nowadays, though, it's completely opposite. You could blow your nose the wrong way, and somebody accuses you of doing something.
1: Well, nowadays everything. That's why
0: yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, those are different women yeah, in that, that time.
1: Outland, but yeah. 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 I don't um, this, I'm, I, I'm from a different time. Yeah, I'm like those pirates at this point.
0: Exactly, <laughs> coming in whipping people with chains, showing up. <laughs> so so <Yeah>.
1: uh,
0: <laughs> 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 um, and then to jump through. I mean, we go back and do a list and all that stuff too. But uh, so. Get close to the end here after all that goes down and stuff. She's nude on the beach. Uh, I thought that was visually a really cool scene. Although, she, she takes off running, it's like, why wouldn't she put on some clothes? But she just so I guess out of it and she runs all along the beach. All right, well, we're back. Uh, Kali had some pirates show up with chains and they beat oh, yes. her and they took her away. And now she's back because she actually beat them back with chains. So,
1: yes, I have my own stash.
0: <laughs> and they tried beating her but she's used to beating them off so she beat them off I mean wait no, no. <laughs>
1: uh, oh.
0: <laughs> so yeah so speaking of um, so I liked how this film ends uh, full circle because I always like how time is a full circle and this ended that same way and um, yeah, that was a really cool ending I like how it and it didn't end up Plus popping the out
1: yard was pretty spooky yeah that was great. I loved that touch. that That was ma- that was masterful. What's that? The crosses in the graveyard.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Where she runs out, and of course the post with the bell of like whom the bell tolls, and she's like you know hugging it, and, and yeah,
1: and she realized she was she was not the first, and that was how it was supposed to go, but then there was a twist and yeah at least that was i I actually wasn't entirely sure what the ending meant i was kind of trying to sort that i was wondering if you could give some clarity since you've read the decide but
0: yeah well that well that ending though is totally that's something different I mean that's just a visual thing yeah not, I, just,
1: I, know. I wasn't but like yeah it kind of ends weird because like, i mean it's like she's supposed to go to jail or whatever but then she's like begging for help and but then she sees like all the graves and it seems like if you saw the graves, like if the police came for you, you'd be like, look at all the graves. Like not me, you know, <laughs> like, right. like, you know? like that would be like kind of evidence like that she had escaped from something. So I don't know. It was just all kind of like, what what just happened at the end? Cause, but it, at the same time, it was like all magical and beautiful and surreal. So whatever.
0: Also, too, like as far as we're talking about that, I'm listening to you describe that. The ending of I was thinking the ending of her running out. That's like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, where she's like totally. running out of the house, oh but, then God, great. but then that's but then that's like a, a fairy tale. But, <laughs> but that's a fairy tale ending too. The girl escapes from the Wicked Witch or escapes from the from the cabin in the woods and runs away, and you know, a uh, Hansel and Gretel or whatever you know. So that's pretty similar. I think that probably goes back to that. But yeah, she runs out naked, alone from herself before God and. Runs out and sees the death and the graveyard and justice and how she's just as powerless, poor person that's going to be part of the system now and more suffering. So she suffers more now and going to jail and her life's all suffering and that's that's a yeah. great touch touches the suffering at the end, you know?
1: Right? Yeah, yeah. It, I think it's just so weird how like they're f- the first night that they take her is so that he can. I mean, he rapes her, but like you know, it's yeah. like which is a really
0: uncomfortable scene like if you i was watching it just like her sitting back in the chair watching it just as it unfolds and she's like fighting it and trying to you know and he's like just on her i was like geez you know it's 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 interesting
1: i am a like terrible human i like i mean I've, i've already explained this in previous podcast i believe but i i I don't know what's wrong with me, but I like watching rape porn. That's just my thing. It's apparently not unusual. Thirty-five percent of women are supposed to fantasize about right, rape. Right, right, it's, I think yeah. I'm is that like three percent that like really does. But anyway, like I don't know. That's my thing. So like I, I have this like de- depraved part of me that like watches that. Like, ah. but then also part of me is like but that's fucking terrible. It's like I, I, have the two minds. I have that duality right. and within me. It's like you know, it's like the angel and the devil on your shoulder, right? Like that's that's always me at all times so i mean i have both of those scenarios going on. i think we all do so but i think maybe i admit it louder but anyways my point is this it's weird how like that you know the, the, that's like the first night is like he you know sleeps there and she to, to be fair like in the next day you know they ask her like about the dream you know are you gonna like, are you scared? And she's like, well, I, I don't want to do that again. Or do I? And so she she kind of does like, right. uh, maybe she liked it a little bit, but then like, you know, the next night, like they just hurt her. They don't have sex with her. There's no pleasure. It's, it's just, that's the thing I never could comprehend with this. I was like, I can get it if it's like, you know, like intertwined, like if the, if the pain is intertwined, but what I've, whenever I've personally interacted with like real sadists, like they really just want to hurt you. Like they just want to like, like cause you pain and like they don't really, they're not interested. Those are the whole aftercare thing. And I, oh, there was a shot of Maria the next morning that that I, I literally laughed out loud and said aftercare like when when <laughs> did you remember like what like after the night of like her getting like beat up and you know beat to crap. Then the next morning, like she's, you know, she's sleeping in bed, and Maria's like all over her, all tender, and and you know when she realizes like that it's Maria touching her, she flinches like ah get away, and she's like scared. But Maria's like oh no, it's the aftercare time, like that's basically what she's saying and like acting like which is like know I'm going to tell you how much I care about you, but it was like wait, but you just totally hurt her, like that. I, I was, oh, that's the second
0: not- time though, because the first time yeah. is is the greatest, and that's total sod is where she. Slaps the maid across the face and then leans in and kisses her with her soft <laughs> lips. And the movie right. that's just epitomizes it right there. It's just that's yeah. so beautiful, and that was a great scene.
1: Wait, no, no, actually, that like makes more sense to me because it's like you're intertwining like the pleasure and pain together. Right. You're getting you're,
0: a reward so, for taking the punishment.
1: Yeah. It's like a quick interchange. It's not like we're just going to beat you to death all night. And then the next morning be like, Oh, JK, we love you. <laughs> Which is funny. <laughs> Cause it's always been really super strange to me. Like whenever I meet, sadists, is, I'm just like, really? That's what you want to do. Like, nah. Well, nah. it's
0: like, if I was <laughs> to think, uh, but to me, it's like watching <laughs> that. Watching that, you you get off on it in a different way. And it's like somebody could say it's like looking at a painting or watching a sunset or it's just you're taking in the experience and that's what you're getting out of it.
1: I mean, maybe if you're on the like the because they, they have this whole poetic waxing Marquis de Sade thing about the cruelty and how you know, oh, the cruelty. It's so beautiful. It's it's the most base of all human emotions. Like, I'm not really sure about that, actually. I don't think that's the most base of human emotions. But I I mean, I think actually, like, it's like, well, you're seeing, you're seeing, they're actually like, I think the most base thing is we like, we want love and kindness. Like, that's the most, like, we're like cats. We're like animals. We just want to like, cuddle. Like, and the, the cruelty thing comes out just like cats. Like now and then you want to go wow and play with that, but it's not the most base thing. And so I think it's no, the, it, it that is that the most base thing. That here's that wife,
0: how, how do you come out of your mother? Screaming. And you get slapped. <laughs> no.
1: You don't come on, on the butt.
0: You get spanked on the oh, butt.
1: Dude, they haven't done that for decades. Come well,
0: on. but still you, you, you come out <laughs> kicking and screaming. You're scared. There's fear. You're looking around. You're like, ah, and all that stuff. so when you're watching a person as they're seeing you know, it, watching her get beat and you see the fear and the, and the scared and that stuff, that's like, that's the base element.
1: I, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess this is more of an existential thing that we can argue offline, but yeah. I, I, yeah, to me, I just still want to believe that most people just kind of want to cuddle and like love, like when they're thinking about sexuality. I don't think that cruelty is the base thing. It's, I mean, it's well, not, but
0: it's, it's, it's a base thing, but it's not the everything, but it's, it's something yeah. that you could, it could be as much as anything else, you know, but you just, just
1: never like,
0: and and we're back. The good discussion <laughs> that Zoom is scared of talking about yeah. pain and punishment, <laughs> the dissod, and base elements, and actually an interesting conversation. I thought, and then we were cut off. So,
1: oh, we get cut off, and I, I was just saying, like I've been in many scenes, as they call them in the scene, and my point is that. I just feel it's more fun when like it actually is fun when sex is intertwined with the cruelty. I think it's really weird to split it up into one day there's like this rape and that's supposed to be her like big descent into perversion. And the next day it's just cruelty. It was kind of, I don't know. I just wanted to say like, I just feel like it's more fun when you play with both. I just- well- That was my only complaint about this movie. And I kind of want to at least like make that point. Just that, like, because the thing is, it's really fun when you're having sex and a guy slaps your ass and pulls your hair. That's fucking rad. Who doesn't like that? But like, when I'm just going to slap your ass and pull your hair, and there are a lot of guys who want to do that, they just want to whip you and then like go home and jack off about it. Like, that's totally a thing. Right. I, I don't, I, I well, never, that
0: could be that you, you be could be, you could not even be in the situation. It could be anybody. It's, it's an interchangeable thing. If you're in that mindset where it's just, and that's their own shit, just them exercising their whatever, you know?
1: Yeah. I don't know. So that's the thing with this movie is like, I guess I always kind of trip, but it's just like, so kind of, I mean, I've seen this movie a couple of times and I, I think that was my like first take and that's still my second take is like, it's a weird thing how like she gets raped and there's there's never any sort of like because you want to like you said that it's a lot different than the book you want to see that like there's more of a enjoyment
0: from all parties or well
1: not all parties but
0: because somebody's got to suffer
1: because you said that she's she's into it you know right right
0: right right she goes along with it but she also you know Kills her mom along with the the whole thing and rapes <laughs> her, her they attack her and she just you know so that's a pretty brutal thing to like.
1: Well, do. okay, yeah. So before my stupid internet cuts out again, we should mention that that it's interesting mm-hmm. how you know like she kills dude like I mean. You always, you always can't help but think of the hero's story, right? You know, like, right. it's always like he has to die so that you can, and that's her supposed to be. Because at the end, then she's talking to Maria like, "Oh no, we're like in business together or something." It like, wasn't that weird, like yeah. like, yeah, like that. The ending super confused me, but but like, yeah, like he she kills him, and so yeah, we should talk about that. Like, what? what did yeah,
0: you, well, what but see. But that's a whole great element of the Assad too, because it's like, there's nothing as cold as a sadist's heart and you're only as useful as until the sadist is done with you. And that's how this whole thing was. Christopher Lee, basically Maria Rome thought she was running the whole thing, but she was only useful until that thing. And then it was her turn and they flipped it on her. And it's like, in the end, there's when there's no love between two people, it's just a cold act. That you're, you're nothing. That person could just flip on you in a second and you don't mean anything. So there's, there's no conscious to each other, you know? So, so that's, so that was that moral of that, where it's just, it's just an act. It doesn't mean anything.
1: Yeah. You you just nailed it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: I thought I'm you froze just, for a second. I'm like, okay, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. Like,
1: yeah. I'm, like, I'm not gonna like contradict or like, or there's, that, you're, that you're a hundred percent.
0: Yeah, and, that, and that's basically the right sad in a nutshell okay. as well. That's so, <laughs> so, so. There's a lot of the subversive teachings of him through the moral or the alley of the film or whatever. But like today, I'm thinking a lot about the sod and I was at the gym working out, and I was getting sore and I was tired. I was like, oh, this is great. This is just like Assad. You're like. Hurting yourself, and your and your and your pleasure out of it is having a bigger muscle or a stronger arm or a bigger you know whatever a bigger thing. That to is totally
1: how I feel about sucking dick. Yeah, <laughs> this, it's like, you're kind of suffering no, it's like, like down dude. your throat. And you're like choking. You're like this really hurts, but this is amazing, and he's gonna fuck me so good for this. Yeah,
0: that's interesting. Yeah, well, uh... I
1: have this in my podcast, but I'm just saying. <laughs> So, yeah, so it's it. the,
0: the yin and the yang. I'm talking about burning a muscle to get a <laughs> yeah. big, bigger muscle each time, and then you'll have a bigger, stronger waist and a, yeah. extra inches on this. And you're like, yeah, I'm just shoving the cock but down your throat the- and making it bigger. And-
1: <laughs> yeah, that's my idea of like the give, take, the pain, the pleasure. Like, that's my yeah. disadvantage and like, like whole sadomasochistic. Cause I'm definitely submissive, but like, I, the whole like just getting hurt thing. That just like what, like whenever I see that, like I I've seen it before in Franco, like in in other, really into the sod and like, that's a thing. It's like where you just get hurt and you're supposed to get off on that. And the guy is supposed to get off on that. I'm always like, really? Cause like, it's so much more fun when there's like a point to the pain.
0: Okay. But think about it now. Does this also relate to subconsciously where men or women or whoever, get into relationships that they know is going to be bad and it turns out bad and they repeat a pattern over and over where they know they're just going to be hurt by the situation and they don't get any pleasure even though they think there's going to be pleasure there
1: that's nonsense because everything ends in tears Right. The only, but, the only truth is entropy after all, you know, like, it's not like there's any relationship that ends well, it ends in death or pain. That's right. True. There's
0: always, yeah, it's never a clean, there's no even options. <laughs> right. There's always a scar or whatever, but, but, you know, what I'm saying there's certain people you go, oh, that's so-and-so and you can see they have a pattern or people get into patterns where they date a certain type or a certain look or something it's know.
1: i I I definitely referenced this before with my whole like you know you repeat the same but to be fair i always kind of like like i mean i was kind of almost sort of that was tongue-in-cheek because i have a real um skepticism of a lot of psychology and my whole thing is like i actually think like with women especially we gaslight ourselves so much to be like oh, it's my fault. My picker is off. But like, really, it's just that most guys suck. And like when they screw up, the woman always blames herself. Like, oh, I must be like trying to recreate. I must be doing this or I must be that. Like you, you can like start going down this rabbit hole of like all the things that that you should have. But like at the end of the day, like probably the dude was just an idiot, like most dudes. And like, he didn't appreciate you. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I think hard. of it like,
0: like, like a diet. <laughs> if there's certain that, foods, if you're certain foods, standard. you're going to eat, that's going to make you sick. Don't eat those certain foods. If you have a certain food that's going to,
1: you're keep- literally telling me this as I'm drinking wine. Which there you go. So, so yeah, this is going to kill me one day. But I mean, I you know we all have our vices. Come right. on, and, and I mean, cute boys can be vices. And the thing is, the trouble with cute boys, you know, they tend to be narcissists. So, well, but who
0: isn't a narcissist? And I, I think a person that's a narcissist <laughs> at least has their head I don't on their even shoulder.
1: Even I don't even really like, think that's like a. I think I, like, I have a skepticism about that as well. We call Trump a narcissist, Stephen, and not even fucking topologist in here. But I mean, it's like, but still, even if you look at the DSM, it doesn't ever line up. It never, with even the most classic one, nothing ever lines up. It's always this whole sort of. Oh yeah. He's that ex of mine.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think from, I mean, there's, we go into this for hours, different mindsets and mindsets and stuff, but I think in, in the United States or in the world, I think you have to always believe you're the best at what you do or anything to be successful to a certain aspect. And that's being a narcissist as well. So you have to be that way,
1: but no, I mean, that's, you don't have
0: to, but you could choose to be that way.
1: But they do say I do love actually that um, there, there's a thing I was reading about just recently, in the last few months. It's not like delusional thinking is actually a positive. Um, like, of that there's different kinds of like like troublesome things that can happen in your brain, but delusional thinking is supposed to be a good one. Like, like, it, like because uh, I've been reading about my my boss. My boss is kind of crazy. He has like founder syndrome, and he's like a. Real weird dude, but he has this like delusion that like he has a special kind of luck and he has special talents, but like that's actually supposed to be a good thing. Because no, I yeah. ha- no, I hear you.
0: No, and and I can identify but- with that. And yes, that's almost like a superstition or like you know, yeah,
1: it, it's not the secret or you know, like, right. like if you believe then the good things will come and that actually does work, but you have to be dumb enough to believe. So it's like it's, it's right,
0: it's it's a it also it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a certain amount of you know consciousness unconsciousness unbelievable yeah. believability and you know i mean you have to kind of work it you know i think i mean because i because i do fall prey to certain of those things where you think well i i survived that i'm bound for bigger things or i'm i'm meant to be on the i mean there's there's people that think all these different things and there's you know and i i'm not gonna say i'm any better because i do feel that way as well so you know i
1: know i mean the older i get the less i I'm, I'm sure of anything and less i believe in anything it's just all kind of a big blur of amusement to me at this point i
0: don't know man i tell I you
1: what just franco and chill
0: <laughs> as we talk about getting older and the more people i see drop and die around me literally by the weeks it just i don't know it furthers what? my thinking more and more so i don't know <laughs> but that's gonna look yolo. dark so but yeah yolo but this is a dark film so this is dark conversations
1: yeah it is a dark film it's it really is like it's i mean you know it ends with her like running out to a bunch of crosses like you know hoping that she's not going to and spend the rest of her life in jail for killing a man who raped her these rich rape her again like also too, like imagine that horror that's such a great horror actually that just created like the horror Like you're going to go to jail for the rest of your life because you killed a man who raped you repeatedly and tried to rape you again and killed a woman in front of you and admitted to killing a woman. And you think you're going to go to jail for that. That's like so many levels of horror. It really is.
0: And she kills Jack Taylor, like barely, like you don't even think like you almost don't see it. Like I thought she just hit him in the back of the head or something. He just falls over and dies. And then Maria Rome, she cuts out her heart, you know?
1: I rewound it twice. To yeah, it's so it slight. Up. But she she grabs the knife like I didn't even catch her grab the knife the first time. I was like, oh okay, oh. she got the knife. I was watching it, and then I had to watch it again to see her like she. But she was smart. She did the stab right like the under the belly. Thing, which is where you kill you know uh, that's, yeah. that's the kill shot but somehow she knew like what are you 17 to the like, kill shot i was kind of impressed but that's interesting cause, like, yeah. i would because you would think she would just reach over and stab him in the back you know? right in the back of the she head wouldn't right. kill him and which would just like disarm him and then she'd come after her but she knew to like get him under in the gut and, and kill him yeah that's that kind of, I, I remember thinking that like because I, I did rewind that a few times so, like clock that kill shot because i was like wait what's happening there yeah
0: yeah, yeah. no it's good i because i just watched it once and i'm just like oh, okay because i'm just like letting it play out but i was like that's kind of funny yeah, yeah i'm not about
1: that. no pressure to your re- white exactly <laughs> I mean, psycho but but i just was kind of like wait she killed him wait i need to make sure i saw that right because we're talking about this and i gotta know so yeah
0: yeah and they were big on the cutting out the hearts because you see the one in the beginning and in the end it comes another thing full circle where Maria Rome's cutting out the woman's heart. And in the end, her heart is cut out by the woman, you know, which is funny too, because you think about it, just saying that word, she had her heart cut out. It's almost like love. Like, you know, in the end her love for these people was taken away from her and she believed in this cult or whatever. In the end, they just cut her heart out. They they, they uh, took her heart out of her body, you know, took her love away or whatever. However you want to say, yeah. you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, well, that's what you get when you pray to the cult of the sod. I mean, yeah. <laughs> what what can you expect to come of that?
0: <laughs> but also, too, it was almost like a hunter thing too, where she like cut out her heart and then she like kind of kissed it and then you know set it down. I thought that was kind of a cool touch. Actually, kind of got the real visceral kind of a dissod touch on that as well. You know, like killing, fucking somebody, killing them, and then taking their heart out and kissing it is like your final.
1: You're you're gonna say no to this, but and it says so everyone's gonna think it's so off topic, but 1883, the TV show. Have you seen that? No. It's a prequel to Yellowstone, Sam Elliott. It's fucking so sick. The chick takes a she kills a bison she takes that heart and she eats it and it's all over. Oh, yeah. oh it's so beautiful. God, that that show is so good. Watch that show.
0: Yeah, no, that's it's, the old school of the you 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 eat the heart of the person you're fighting, or it's the person you kill, and you take the energy and the soul and their experiences and everything.
1: Love that. Body yeah. So
0: bring that through if you. Yeah,
1: I've yeah. never seen that done so well as in that show. You should totally watch that show. I'll tell you about it later. it's cool.
0: Up. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. So, all right, well, let's Sorry, go ahead and uh, knock out this Franco list to, to wrap up this uh, yeah. episode. <laughs> to lose consciousness and <laughs> of internet
1: Attention, contemporary shit in a Franco film. All right, uh, sacrilegious. <laughs>
0: So we have um, number one body of water, number two, uh, I would say number one body of water, along with number three boats. They're the speed boats. They go to the island. You see that quite a bit. Uh, The sailboat is actually in the den or the office of the brother and sister. She goes up and she looks in this glass case and there's a sailboat in there. And there's like a nautical motif in that whole office. There's like a big uh, captain's wheel on the wall and, which I thought was kind of cool because I mean, it's an Island place. So they're going to have nautical stuff, but also I thought of the story wise, like they're the captains of the ship and like, this is their voyage and this is their, their thing, you know, they've done this before. Um, So number four, you have palm trees. Yeah. It was palm trees all around the Island. Uh, Number five jungles.
1: Yeah. I I loved the ship in the bottle. That was made me so happy. I love that. I've always loved seeing a ship in a bottle i've always considered that very magical i'm sorry i just no that's very true
0: and with me it's It's like these the boats in these franco films to me always always talk about they symbolize like your imagination or your voyage or a thing you get to do so it's always a thing with dreams and in this film has a lot of the dreams too where she doesn't know if it's a dream or reality so the boats fit with the dream i mean
1: it's just the ship in the bottle is like such a it's just specific it's like a crystal ball you know it's like it's just this a specific magical thing it's, yeah, it's almost like you're know,
0: capturing something and it's there on your mantle like some void like almost a yellow yeah. yellow giant you know, This it's is this.
1: so over time you don't see them often when you do it special you should definitely give a shout out big big All time right. i'm good yeah, good good <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh number five jungle sound effects this is really weird okay you have, which actually this goes along with uh, number 19, talking parrot. There's something called a night bird they talk about, a sound effect. And it almost sounds like a baby crying. Did you notice that? It was like a,
1: <laughs> oh, yeah! yeah. It was weird. Well, it was like, hate. you hear it a
0: couple of times and then they finally acknowledge it like the third or fourth time. She goes, oh, yeah, it's a I night bird.
1: It. She said, I expect it's just a night bird. Yeah. So, fuck. Like you expect it's a night. Like it was the weirdest? Yeah i totally caught that
0: yeah like, it's weird almost like a baby dork. sound or something so
1: my first word is bird i'm a i'm a big bird dork so yeah that that was weird to me i was like what the fuck is this is like a fucking bird at all there's no bird that sounds like a baby crying it's not a thing
0: and also to <laughs> like night bird that almost sounds like very mysterious as well like it could be like a black a or... bird is okay
1: my- there's not that many night birds, but a mocking bird to be a night bird. So that okay. is a thing. Like, it could be a mocking bird, like doing the imitation of a crying baby. That is actually plausible because mocking birds will mock, they'll mock anything. They'll mock a crying you baby. No, that's
0: fucking really interesting as we're saying this. I'm just thinking if it's mocking a baby, she's kind of like a baby or a virgin coming with them. So he's making oh, this baby sound effect when she's around. I didn't think about that till just now.
1: It is. Yeah.
0: Eventually, that's like a subconscious thing that they threw in to kind of like do that. Is like she's a babe in the woods or baby. Or right, virgin. you could fuck
1: with that. Like it was yeah. a mockingbird outside listening to her and kind of making fun that she was a baby. Yeah, that tracks. Because there yeah. really are not that many birds that sing at night, but mockingbirds will sing all fucking night. I know this because I hate them desperately. They sit outside my apartment. And <laughs> there's actually a movie with Zoe uh, Deschanel where she gets a bb gun and she's going to actually kill a mockingbird which do you understand like zoe de the cutest human to ever human gets a freaking gun to kill a bird because it's actually that annoying and That's you know not- it's
0: a film right it's Excellent. not reality yeah <laughs>
1: still just that that actually happened. They were like cute, adorable, stupidly cute. Zoe Deschanel gets a freaking BB gun to kill a bird because that's how annoying mockingbirds are. Like I've tried to explain, like it's a bird, but I want it to die. People are like, you're evil. I'm like, no, but you don't understand. Zoe see, does.
0: See, I'm, I'm I'm a bird man. So, you know, all my birds around my house. So I, I've, I've, I'm on the opposite side of the fence on this one or the other side of the birdcage.
1: No, I mean, a, I love birds, yeah. like, sporadically, but, like, it, I promise you, if a mockingbird ever decides to take roost in the fucking tree outside of your window at five in the morning, come talk to me. Well,
0: I got a rooster that crows at four in the morning on me. Oh,
1: that's right. Yeah, I, I met you right outside
0: my backyard. So, yeah, yeah I,
1: I, I visited Jason's place last a couple weeks ago, and I'm telling you, man has a lot of birds. He's got yeah. Whole freaking thing god i so hate literally, it.
0: there's literally hundreds of birds that live in my backyard the trees and all come and go and they visit and fly over all yeah. times of day and night and everything it's, it's great
1: every but to be fair you live in a very peaceful tranquil area yeah I, I think i could totally hang with some roosters but i live in downtown los angeles where like we have helicopter you i mean it's been interrupted our uh, the helicopters or sirens there's Non stop cacophony. My neighbor's blasting terrible music, and then the roosters are just the cherry on top because motherfuckers have roosters in downtown Los Angeles, just FYI. But you live out in the sticks where well, we have we have
0: loud motorcycles and cars, which piss me off because the noise pollution of it. But (laughs) other than that, yeah, that's you know, (laughs) and I scream at them all the time. So, all right, uh, number six, chained up person.
1: Your place is so cute, though. I just want to say his place is so amazing. Can can I just, can we just have two seconds? Please go ahead. You guys. Oh my God. Jason's place. Holy cow. I visited there on my little road trip. I took up to Seattle. Uh, And I'm telling you, all the walls are lined with Franco posters. There are Franco posters everywhere. There, he showed me his collection of DVDs, which to be clear here, okay, on my road trip, I went to ScarePro Video in Seattle, which has a very extensive, gorgeous collection of fan girl films with you know VHS and all sorts of magic. Okay, for the record, Jason Rudy, the Franco Observer, has more DVDs. Than scarecrow video, the nonprofit magical most coolest video store in America has. Yeah. I, I I could I, I,
0: I, could, I could agree with that. I mean, I've been in it, that, but I have thousands, and a thousands of video thousands. that I'll
1: be posting on my Instagram probably tomorrow. And yeah, that's how cool that is. So and and also he has painted all of these amazing like paintings of Lena and Jess and so many characters from Franco films and his paintings are rad. They're so cool. They're so like animated and emotional. Like they're so, they're so alive and festive. And like, you just want to just hang out and embrace them. They're so, uh, just. I love it. I'm so in love with all of it. It's so great. It's good stuff. His apartment, his house is insane. It's so cool. I can't, I just can't prop it enough. Like I was so enchanted, I couldn't believe it I just like pulled off the highway in Sacramento and followed the directions. And then I was this magical house where there was just like Francophilia, but like the just Francophilia. It was just really cool. I just want to go off on that little tangent there. Can we have this moment?
0: Yes, I appreciate that, that kind words. Is-
1: in 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 in, in eighty five Franco episodes. People should know that your entire house is virtually dedicated to Jess Franco and Lena. Yeah. It's really cool. It's all through the really rooms. Cool. I was so impressed. I couldn't, and it just goes on and on the level of the DVDs, the organization, the love. There's so much love. It's just, there's so much love. And a lot of
0: stimulation. I always need things to stimulate me. If you look around my house, that's like a, a sign. It's like my brain. When you walk in my house, that's why we. always tell.
1: Oh, you for me. sure.
0: You know, see For sure. Stuff. So, well, you know, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. It was, it's always nice to, it's like after a while, you just kind of, to me, it's normal. And then somebody that's never been over, look at your house. They're like, Oh my God. And they start <laughs> picking out all this stuff. And, it's like whirlwind, and then it's gone you are mental.
1: In the best way to be mental, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's my assessment in one like what in a one liner. You are mental in the best way to be mental.
0: It's right. And when I was a kid, <laughs> I used to always tell people, "I'm the good kind of crazy, not the bad kind of crazy."
1: So, I, mean,
0: <laughs> I try to always stay that way as best I can. So yeah,
1: yeah, real recognize real
0: exactly. <laughs> blood knows blood.
1: That's crazy. <laughs>
0: So speaking of blood, now let's get back to the list.
1: Blood, okay. number oh six. I don't remember a list. Are you kidding?
0: Yeah. Number six, we're chained like up person. we
1: 90 minutes in, right? We're like 90. Well, uh, there's, there, no there's a is. few
0: pause breaks. So, you know.
1: I hope someone's listening because they need to hear that part. I hope. Maybe push that up. Edit it.
0: There you go. Knock that through. Um, <laughs> okay. So let's go back to the list. Number six, chained up person. Uh, we have the person chained up with the chain was the maid and they hung her body with the chain. And then you have also Bria Rome's choked by the chain. So that's you
1: know, you need to add numbers to this, like out of this many films, this many people are chained up.
0: Oh yeah. No, I, 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 I documented each episode. It's my list. It's gonna, my
1: like, best. do you know, like, like, oh, how, how
0: many? Oh yeah. Like 82 films. I mean, exactly. How yeah. many
1: people have been chained? Like. Like how many were chained up? You've yeah. got to start- you gotta start. Uh, I don't have that
0: much time. Sorry.
1: You <laughs> This needs to happen going forward. Like you need to add this all up and like make it a thing on on the Frank Observer Instagram. Like make like a yeah, list. That's not a bad idea. I'm have so a running excited. tally.
0: Yeah, there you go. Yeah,
1: like a running tally. Like that's so fun. Okay, yeah. go ahead. Sir, <laughs> I'll call. let you go ahead. And talk
0: Yay! More work for me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. All right, uh, let's see. Number seven, uh, dance scenes on stage stripping or club scenes dancing. Negative on both. One of the few yeah. rare Franco films where you see nobody stripping per se. I mean, se. you're on an
1: island the whole time, you know. Right,
0: and there's an audience, the, the pirates watching, but that don't really count, you know. Um, so yeah, uh, number nine, jazz music. A fucking great jazz, fucking soundtrack. All yeah. different kinds of music, but a lot of cool jazz great. in this.
1: Great music.
0: Yeah, Very cool. I meant
1: to mention that actually, but it wasn't as like you know, Venus and Furs. So,
0: no, but some of the soundtrack,
1: hard to be like, this was a great soundtrack, but it really was. It really was. Yeah.
0: And some of this is available on the Severin bonus disc. The, uh, I don't know, this ain't Daniel White, but I, but I'd heard the song on, on, on one of the other tracks. But anyway, let's go through. Uh, number 10, excessive zooms, not really excessive zooms, but number 11, out of focus shots. There's a lot of fucking out-of-focus shots in this film. Some that have to show that she's drugged or that it's uh, outside of reality and stuff. Some of it just look lazy, too, so I'm not sure.
1: Right. But some were were useful and purposeful, so there's that. Yeah, definitely. But, yeah, not not the zoom-in sexy times.
0: Yeah. But, But yeah, some of it just kind of like, I was like, come on, man, get back in focus. You know, a lot of it's just... Fucking well. okay 12 mirror shots there's some cool mirror shots not as crazy as venus and furs but there's some nice ones definitely uh of course the looking through the glass the bathtub scene some of the ones where she's cool. undressing her in the mirror and there's a couple nice mirror shots where they're watching and the mirrors uh 13 mind control theme big time big time mind control theme. we talked about that actually the for
1: sure yeah doing the
0: fucking curtains the drugging the Gaslighting, all that stuff that's mind control I mean, 101. The
1: gaslighting in itself is the mind control, exactly. For sure. I mean, so, yeah, oh, the chair on top, but the the gaslighting is is the mind control. For I mean, I mean, that yeah, like all of the oh, what then that was only a dream that I raped you, that's yeah. Awesome. And it's
0: weird because, like,
1: gaslighting as a gets because you, you can, can have you mind can- exceed that level of gaslighting, I raped you, but JK, just a dream, exactly you actually don't, there is no higher level of gaslighting. That's the, that's the, that's the, that's the, that's the limit. <laughs> like there's nothing beyond that. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it's interesting to think
0: that like, it's cool that you can use that concept of mind control and put it in all different films, like a mad scientist putting a thing on somebody's head and their mind control or, you know, raping somebody gaslighting that's mind control. So it's like that concept yeah. on all different aspects is really interesting. It's, it's, it's,
1: I just want to say like I've seen I actually saw a friend of mine get canceled last night and I mean I've been canceled as you know from Letterboxd like so many people have been canceled like I'm like amazed I love that we can talk about this openly and laughingly and we don't get canceled I really am scared the day that someone listens to your podcast and goes OMG I'm so offended I was right once for the record anybody listening I was raped once too, more than once. And so like, can you not do that and counsel us? I just want to make well, a little shout out.
0: Me, I'm just talking okay. about like, things and talking yeah, like, about concepts. Just, like,
1: having fun and talking about stuff. And I just like trip, like people get counseled left and right. these days. It would break my fucking heart if like after 85 episodes of you being in the Frank Observer, somebody was like, oh my God, they're like joking about rape. Like, for the record, like, no one's joking about rape. We've got the, it's not, it's, this is a movie.
0: Well, I'll tell you what.
1: How we do this? We, let's say this three times together. This is a movie. We're reviewing a movie. Keep telling yourself. We're talking about a movie. Yeah. Okay. I'm Keep telling here. yourself
0: it's only a movie. No, but, <laughs> but, uh, I, I, just like this film, I am an island unto myself. I, I really just do my own thing and, and I've lost friends over the years through COVID and through other friends and relationships and other ships. So really, when it comes down to it, I really don't give a shit what other people think of me or no, stuff. I will like, still I, do my I, thing all the way to the end, and no going to stop me. You know? No, I
1: mean, but they will because that's actually I, like Spotify can stop you. Like I, I, I wrote, I wrote over three thousand reviews. in Letterboxd Letterbox they canceled me over both. But I'm
0: on many platforms, oh, and they could go through I'm my saying you
1: know, so. like, like, well, I'm just trying to say, like, if you, if anybody takes offense to this, check yourself before you wreck. Exactly. Okay. And if they take
0: offense to this, then they're obviously listening because they want to take offense to this.
1: So. Yeah. I just want to say that. I just yeah. want to say that because I'm just concerned because lately it's been like hyper. Like, I've seen people literally last night, I saw something going, they've been going for two years, a, 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 like, online movie thing. And it just like, this was so sad and yeah. i just i don't want to say that happen. so i just want to kind of say like i know we're being jovial about rape right now but
0: wow well, yeah not we're
1: but, not but until we're not not can, jovial about rape. we get it right but, i mean
0: people should talk about anything they want to talk about and doing yes of the things, it, people should talk important.
1: about anything they want to talk about yes i just want to right okay yes right well, Sorry. I mean, it goes
0: back to A Modest Proposal, that book, A Modest Proposal about <laughs> people who are starving and and selling babies for, for you know, food and for by the pound and, and that stuff. So that's, you know, and that was a thing. So, you know. All right. So back to the thing. <laughs> uh, okay.
1: So weirdly, I'll talk to you after the show. About it. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that after. Uh, okay. For 14, uh, Magic Tongue Scenes. By God, yes! We finally have a magic tongue in the film. We have Maria Rome's
1: already. Yeah, Maria
0: Rome's magic tongue on uh Reeland Hall's nipple. So that was great. We see that a few times, uh it was nice after not having that for quite a few. <laughs>
1: oh, uh, yeah,
0: no, a little, a little I tongue,
1: magic tongue for ten minutes. Exactly, sounds nice. <laughs>
0: Uh, 15 red light. Yeah. A lot of red lights in this. Uh, the whole room is the red light room. It's a lot of lights on people. Red lights. Uh, 16 sheepskin rug. No masturbation with a letter C item. Nope. Uh, number 17, mad scientist, mad scientist. No. Uh, well, Christopher Lee, maybe, I don't know.
1: I mean you know they gave her drugs and yeah that's
0: true that's true Well, yeah,
1: not st- really but you kind of
0: yeah they're kind of scientists they I got on wanna, her I,
1: I, I want be the, you, I mean you know there's three there's three cigarettes of the the Turkish cigarettes yeah
0: the wacky tobacco so yeah, that's true. There's 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 some elements, and of the course, and I there.
1: mean, come on, like I've smoked a lot of weed, but I've never smoked weed that made me pass out and get raped and not know it. Like, right? Yeah. Or something else than that wacky tobacco. That's
0: true, or could yeah, well, yeah, yeah
1: might I might have been maybe. late. There might have been something in that drink. There's yeah.
0: Some people have different tolerances too. I mean, there's you know, but
1: no one has a tolerance that that doesn't know they were they had sex after they smoked pot that's with true a, that's true
0: that's some fucking dank weed so
1: yeah right. uh, <laughs> i've never smoked weed that thing
0: all right let's wrap this up 18 fish tank shots negative negative. 19 talking parrot no just the mockingbird uh 20 uh in credits yes or no yes there's a quite good in credit sequence uh 21 handwritten notes negative 22 spiral staircase shot negative uh number 23 inept cops negative no johnny law on this just in the end well actually yeah inept cops they're gonna arrest her and like we talked about for the crimes that she did or didn't commit or whether she was righteous or not righteous but still so yeah i guess the ineptity of the law when it comes down to it uh 24 belly chains negative 25 kinks a lot of kinks in this film there's uh (laughs) Kinks. Let's see. Oh no,
1: no kinks in this film at all. There's I, incest, I brother that. sister,
0: there's rape, there's uh Grin. whipping, there's uh killing, there's uh necrophilia.
1: sister like teach a girl to make out with another girl and,
0: yeah, lesbianism, yeah. There's just so many different, you know, uh No yeah, kinks at all, yeah. yeah exactly, <laughs> all the way through. Uh this film is ba- built on it. And number twenty-six, great headboards. Um just uh, oh. uh, you, Eugenie
1: sucked. I want to. The headboard sucked. They were all those like, but I mean, unless you want to be like, oh, it was cute because it was childish. Because uh, Eugenie like- had
0: the headboard that kind of looked like a fan coming out
1: yeah those which is like
0: a flower <laughs> like, blue type,
1: like what are, what are those even called but there's just like those like metal posts
0: oh the brass bed kind uh, of brass yeah, bed like, frame. yeah it's
1: that cute little like dollhouse kind of thing which like yeah you can get perverse about but it's just boring compared to like jess's wait there's like a word for that right like jess's like when you have a whole thing
0: Je- uh, how about Uncle Jess's catalog of kinks
1: yeah, <laughs> so like, oh, cavalcade of ones. kinks his, yeah, his, his cavalcade
0: yeah. Yeah. his yeah, uh, menagerie
1: like, yeah like some sort of word for that of like yeah like he's he's got so many amazing like these do not compare they really don't and I was like looking for that actually after last because last episode you were asking about the bed things and I was like oh yeah the headboard yeah all lame. Like I was kind of like excited for that this time and then it was like oh not so much <laughs>
0: No, just the this one is, on her bed. a
1: boat. We're on a boat. It's okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and finally, number twenty-seven: fear right, like the or desire.
1: Sorry, boat and Islands.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So number number twenty-seven: fear or desire. What would you say?
1: Fear or desire? Ooh, I mean, for the whole movie, primarily fear. Sadly, I wish wow. See, I see less. desire. Okay. I mean, well, well, it depends on whose perspective you're looking from i mean obviously from maria and her her brother like that's it's just all sheer desire like i mean i still i can't reiterate enough you know when she she's still in the boat and he's like obsessed and running after her like the desire that he had but she has, has desire.
0: desire as well. She I, has a black and white picture of her that she's she desiring.
1: Needs, and she's, she doesn't have any, she doesn't have any desire. She, yeah, she does. In the beginning, know, when she has, has the learn, but she's not like, she's well, no. not, she never gets to, no, no, totally. Thing, like, I wish that just.
0: All right. Well, Collie dropped out again. This is funny. We've had four dropouts now on this show. So, uh, yeah. I'm going to say it's desire because uh, Eugenie desires uh, Maria Rome's character. She desires for the experience. She desires for the opportunity to uh, have this situation unfold, everything she's about to learn. And of course the brother sister couple desire to be her, to corrupt her, to do everything they want to do with her. So that would be my, uh, talking about that. So um, I'm just going to go ahead and wrap this up for the episode. I want to thank Miss Colley for joining me once again for this, the Franco observer podcast. Uh, I think this was her 13th episode and you know, my favorite number is 13, but for her, I think 13 was her unlucky number because uh, for some reason, her internet provider did not want her to have this long conversation with me. So, Alrighty. I will be talking to you later and I will say thank you and see you on episode 86.